0: i drove through the front yard i parked on the bridge saw the coastline like i never did you know nothing lasts forever no nothing lasts forever
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another fantabulous episode of Kellen's Petty Talk Show. Today, I'm so excited to have Joe Boynton, singer of the Massachusetts rock band Transit. It's such an absolute pleasure to have people on this thing that truly made an impact on me. I've been listening to Transit for over 10 years now, and they've contributed an ungodly amount to the music scene. Please, for your sake, if you enjoyed this episode, go check out Transit and let me know what you think. Don't forget to follow Kellen's Petty Talk Show on Instagram to stay up to date on all the newly announced guests enjoy the episode everyone
2: um for best album front to back like most consistent record front to back i i believe i picked nines and sixes by mock orange and then for best catalog for me um Mm -hmm. i picked lifetime uh because i don't i don't dislike a single lifetime song or think that a song boring or just like insignificant so i picked lifetime
1: and those are the best bands where you just keep listening to them
2: yeah, man. Like we were just, we were driving home from a uh, friend's house today and we're listening to Jawbreaker. And I think they do have some oh, songs yeah. that I don't really know or like want to go out of my way to listen to, but pff, that, band's in- that band's incredible. Just to Brazil is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just this one of those bands where it's similar to Lifetime where I'm like, I won't, I'll go months without listening to. And then I'll hear like a Jawbreaker song, like Ashtray Monument. And I'll be like, oh man, yeah, I got to come rabbit hole of this band now. And then I got to listen to all his other projects and just go. (laughs) I feel like
1: a lot of people are getting into Jawbreaker now too. I see a lot of kids with shirts on at shows. I feel like their their music's still getting out there. So uh, did you learn any new hobbies in quarantine?
2: How to record um, vocals like at home. I've been learning, um, and logic, I've been learning logic. Um, I'm setting up a good amount of speakers. Like I, I bought a house and we have like a lot of like speakers, uh, handed down and, uh, from friends and stuff. So I got to learn how to put that together. Um, hobbies. I mean, I'm good at making pizza. Um, at, <laughs> really? Oh, I got a, I got a Traeger grill. I'm okay. um, learning how to, how to smoke. How to smoke meat and smoke like a whole chicken. So I've smoked Man, like nice. three chickens since I bought one. That's amazing. Oh um, yeah. So yeah, everything food related. And then I I just bought a um, modded Super Nintendo, mini, oh. nine thousand games. And then I got two. <laughs> um, I got two of the uh, wireless super nintendo controllers i got the famicom one and then oh shit i I just i just got i got basically an arcade in my house the only thing i'm bummed out is i should have got controllers with analogs because it comes with n64 what that's what i was gonna say i didn't think of that but i can go back i have a pro controller but i don't know how i don't know how to hook a pro controller up to a mini and i'll I'll probably have to buy an attachment but i'm psyched because i just brought once this comes in the mail. I just basically brought in an arcade to my house and quarantine <laughs> yeah. is going to be a lot easier. Oh, that's it. Um, yeah.
3: Dude, we could go on and on about all those Dude. N64 and Super Nintendo games. They're, they're, they're the best, man. They will if, never get old. If
2: you're on an island and you had to pick one game, what would it be? Oh, fucking Mario Kart. <laughs> Mario Kart. Oh, 100%. Uh, okay.
3: Mortal Kombat Sub Zero Mythologies.
2: Okay. We bought. Uh, mine we bought- would be link uh, link to the past on snes my favorite game of all yes time. or seiken dentsu 3 um the uh secret of mana 3 and basically um for super nintendo is unbelievable but yeah those are my Damn. favorite two i think
1: we bought a new nintendo 64 during quarantine
3: <laughs> yeah i remember
1: that
2: Gretzky, <laughs> Gretzky's three hockey
1: that oh,
2: no. is the first game to play against someone i think besides smash brothers obviously but Oh, yeah, Mario yeah. Kart obviously but yeah I can go on forever though
1: yeah I think Mario Party is just always gonna be my favorite game of all time that and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3
2: yes three is great three great uh my favorite I think that I had like the most memories with are of course one like when one came out it was like holy shit
4: yeah.
2: um so many great bands from whoever does the soundtrack to those games is a is a legend dude
1: oh, yeah. like the third one a- got me into so many bands. The third one got me into AFI. It got me into CKY. I
2: Aesop mean, I- Rock is on what number four? I didn't love four, but I remember I found out. I think I found out about Aesop Rock from Tony Hawk four, which is a big deal. And then Paint It Black's on one of the Tony Hawks. I don't know if they're on Tony Hawk three or four.
3: Yeah. I think it was three. If, three. Uh, I, I could be wrong three. though. Don't quote me on that though.
2: Underground's unbelievable too. Let's not forget about that. Jeez, oh, I know. undergrounds and American Wasteland was decent. I didn't get into Wasteland, but I was also like not home or I was at school. Something about when that game came out, I just wasn't able to play video games really um at the time. So yeah, uh, I remember I missed I missed the eight, whatever the, the eight game was. I think there was like a Tony it wasn't Tony Hawk eight, but it was something about eight or maybe it was Wasteland. There's was a few that I missed.
3: I borrowed it. I borrowed it from you one time, Kelly Remember? Which one? It was, for, it was for Xbox 360. It was the eighth Tony Hawk game. I can't remember. Oh, I know you're talking head. about Project
2: 8. Project 8. Project 8. Yeah, yeah I missed yeah. that and I missed that. I didn't play um, either of those. And I don't know. I think if I had to pick one, if I so if, it was a, if you're on an island and you had to pick one Tony Hawk game, mine would be Tony Hawk Underground because you get some of the old yeah. levels and the gameplay is ridiculous. Oh, and insane. They have like a Dave Mirra or is it a Matt Hoffman level? yeah i know it's from one of the bmx games which I, th- I thought was really cool that you could do that like a what if but anyway i could i could go on and on
1: just have like a whole video game episode eventually <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> totally yeah. i got to do
2: like a, 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 a an occasional video game podcast there's probably so many yeah uh, video game podcasts out there um but yeah i would definitely do those no, I did a movie podcast recently um but that's really it. everything else has been pretty much music related yeah that's speaking of which I- uh yeah you go you go
5: oh
3: yeah speaking of which uh, have you seen any good movies lately
2: um we just re-watched um once upon a time in hollywood today Fun. we watched that today so good. excellent got the, the bonus uh features like all the like the extra stuff they did around the movie um <laughs> not really i mean I've, I've been watching wandavision i've watched every episode of the mandalorian about three times Excellent. Love, dude. Love Mandalorian. Uh, he was. A,
3: he was in an episode of that. I. I was. What? Episode th- <laughs> Episode four, season one. Are you kidding me? Not kidding you. What's your character? Oh, you were like boy. one of the. Villager. So we. So we. Yeah, we were like one of those villager people, like where, like you know, I like they. We, yeah. Yeah. Like we get like attacked by that ATST thing, and then the Mandalorian comes and like teaches us how to fight. I get to shoot a blaster in one sh- that one shot where we're doing target practice. I get to. How do you feel to blast like it's you know I, I, that's like, a thing
5: that's dude
3: like you know that that's a thing it wasn't a big role i didn't have any lines or anything it was just like sure. but you know what i it's just to say you get to work on something star wars related it's it's amazing you know but
2: it's also it's also you're working on something star wars related that's going to be remembered and re-watched for a long time because I, I i mean in my opinion because mandalorian is one of the one of the parts of Star Wars, like just anything created visually of Star Wars that was done extremely well. And anything like that, like Rogue One, I feel Rogue One was was done really well. I know some people don't love it. I love Rogue One. I love it. It's one of my favorites. I still um, gotta
3: see that.
1: Yeah, I've been I,
2: like... Oh, go ahead. So I didn't like Solo, um, but I liked the train scene. Um, and I didn't like um, I didn't like a lot of the the, the newer ones. I okay. did not like The Last Jedi. Yeah. I was laughing during that movie. I just, yeah. Like, this sucks. Like, some parts. Some parts were cool. Some yeah,
1: cool some shit. parts were fun, but yeah, it was
2: kind of laughable. And it's then- just, you
3: know, I, I just there was a lot missing with the new trilogy. And, you know, that's sure. the thing. It's just, I, I felt like it could have been done better.
2: But Mandalorian just comes in. It's like, remember all this stuff you loved about old Star Wars? Yes. It's all here, and we're not just going to be, it's not just fan service. They're actually like...
3: So have you seen the recent episode, like the very last episode of season two?
2: I've seen all of Mandalorian, each episode three times. And then some of the new se- the last season I've only seen, well only, but I've seen uh, some of those later episodes only twice, but the one, uh, the one I don't want to spoil anything. The last one that came it, out. Yes. It was was totally a, the it last was, one that came out, bad. I've seen three times and that was the most important. Dude,
3: it was such a big surprise. Like, like, uh, you know what? Don't screw it. Screw it. Let screw it. Let's spoil it. No, 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 no. You haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. Or you have. Yeah, you, know, you have.
2: I've seen all of them. Yeah. yeah. We don't
3: want to spoil for other people. But no, <laughs> like bottom line. Bottom line is, you know, I think like, and I'm not just saying this because I had a small involvement in it. Like I've, I'm, a, I've been a Star Wars fan since the late '90s, since I was a kid.
2: I, I would literally get on a plane yeah. yesterday. And fly to be anything in a yeah. Star Wars, anything that is so
3: awesome. <laughs> it it, it kind of just fell, the long story short, it kind of just fell into my lap. I didn't know what I was signing yeah. up for. They didn't tell me what this was, they gave me a code name so nobody would tell anybody. And then we signed the biggest non disclosure agreement yeah, by it. Disney and saying, you got saying
2: excited when that happened, you're like, oh, oh yeah, this is something.
3: Oh yeah, like I had to get fit into a <laughs> wetsuit and all that stuff because oh I actually, I, I actually, I actually fell in water in a shot that was cut.
2: <laughs>
1: oh
3: damn! So, but like a long story. Sh- bottom line was it was fun. Yeah, well, it, like good. Like I, I, I'm there's gonna say this
2: thing. You you got to check off a bucket list thing that people don't even. I mean no, I think there's a lot of Star Wars fans out there that on their list, their most important thing they could do in their entire lives would be an extra or a stormtrooper or anything or just hold uh, a boom mic or anything well
5: blog oh. story
3: funny story if you've seen uh what was the first episode of the new trilogy um i, I should know this i'm gonna bring up force
2: awakens
3: force awakens yeah daniel craig 007 is one of the stormtroopers and he That's has a small cameo came oh i saw
2: that trooper yeah in one of the newer movies that is quite some of some people say it's not as good as mandalorian where you got to actually be in something as cool as like Rogue One. I actually think it's cool. I think that the original, the original series, uh, especially Empire Strikes Back, is. I think Empire Strikes Back is the greatest thing Star Wars period. Then I think it's uh, New Hope. Then I think it's Rogue One. Yes. Then I think it's Return of the Jedi or Rogue One and Return of the Jedi Tide um, just because you have that grainy, that old style. Camera and you obviously have the original cast, like the original actors. So maybe I would say Return of the Jedi before Rogue One, then Rogue One, then I would put the Mandalorian like tied with Rogue One, just as a whole. And then I don't care from there. But I love the I love some of the parts of the prequels. The prequels have the best lightsaber fights. Period. I agree. I Mm. think if you could get those fights back, and I I don't know if they used the choreographer. I believe they used a choreographer related to like. Um, you know, that movie hero mm-hmm. and approaching tiger. I don't know for sure, but I remember as a kid, maybe seeing a documentary or thinking like they had someone from those, that movie franchise, or someone as good as that, that came in. And that's why the lightsaber fights are so badass. And if,
3: and if you could cool. get it, if you could get another actor, like uh, Ray Park, who was Darth Maul, an actual martial artist who can do all those tumbles and flips to play a, a new character. Yeah, that would be perfect. I
2: think Mandalorian could do that. It, they're, yeah. they're just pulling out all these great cards, and I think maybe, hopefully, when they get into more of the Jedi stuff, maybe that's what they do because that's the you know.
3: So, I got a question for you, yeah. Star Wars related, and then we can go, like, then we'll go into the, the yeah, yeah. Right yeah, yeah. So, because now they're doing spinoffs of Obi Wan Kenobi and like also Boba Fett, who yeah. is a character you want to see a spinoff of
2: from Star Wars
3: from the Star Wars universe,
2: dude? That's a tough question. Um.
3: I want to see me personally. I want to see more of Count Dooku. Okay. Yeah.
2: I don't know, man. I mean, I would, I love Darth Maul's character. I think I would want to see like anything with dark Plagueis or like anything from like older, like, so with Lord of the Rings, I love that they have Sauron and then they have Morgoth, which is like the bad or bad guy. That's from way back when. So there's something about that in any kind of franchise that, that really intrigues me. So I guess, The first like dark Sith Lord of all, like the first Sith Lord kind of spinoff would be cool just to kind of see the origins of the Jedi or Jedi or however they say it. Um, That would be really cool. Uh, Yoda having his own series would be cool. Anything on, what is it, Yoga's Planet Dagobah? I don't think I would want, I don't think I could nail down an exact character. I'd want their own series. But I will say if I got to pick one thing, Star Wars, it would just be uh, just focusing on that planet. I thought that was one of the coolest parts of Star Wars was just Yoda's planet. It was so swampy and weird and mysterious and just that. I would just want more more anything of that planet would be cool.
3: I agree.
1: Totally agree. So I just wanted to say there's this one movie I just saw the other day called Psycho Gorman, which I don't know if you've heard of that shit check is, it out right now. is bat yeah. shit crazy it's basically this like horror comedy where this eight-year-old girl okay so it's like this like monster comes from this other planet comes to earth and this little girl steals his like spear thing that he always has in his clutches and she basically can control him now because she's got that so mm-hmm. she'll just she'll just be like oh fuck you sit over there and she, <laughs> like she'll literally make this monster do whatever she wants basically and, and it looks
2: like an 80s movie
1: yeah um, but yeah. it
2: looks like it looks like they pulled it from like a, an alternate universe. Like it doesn't look like a movie trying to be an 80s movie. It looks like it's an yeah. actual 80s movie. Yeah. Which you got to commend anyone that can pull that off. Yeah. That's awesome. I, and it's I'm like gonna watch that.
1: It's so good. And it's, it's got a lot of that like purposely bad acting on purpose. And, uh, you know, really Neil
2: Breen, you need to write this down. If you don't a- know who he is, Neil Breen Um, Fateful Findings is the first Neil Breen movie that I've seen. Um, this man has made some of the most awesomely bad movies I have ever seen (laughs) in my life. And I know that, uh, people would probably disagree because it's going to, it's such a statement, Mm -hmm. but I think that if the guy from the room didn't blow up, this guy would have blown up. I think in an alternate universe somewhere... (laughs) Everyone's freaking out about <laughs> this guy's <laughs> shitty <in> movies. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Dude, it's,
2: it's the best.
1: It's the best when it's unintentional though. Are they bad like unintentionally?
2: I think so. He's uh, just an all around guy. He's just doing it all. He's the writer, the director, the yeah. star. Um, the effects are so bad and there's so much. You can tell there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of love and care put into it. Yeah. Um, I, I, so it's it, kind of like it, trauma. If, it's, if this is on purpose, if this is bad on purpose, then yeah. this guy is the funniest comedian <laughs> that has the least successful career. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe, I believe that these were made to be good on, like to be good and they're bad. They're, they're, yeah. they're awesomely bad. And I believe that he really tried to make some good movies with a very low budget. Yeah and do it all himself and just be like a renaissance man like i'm just gonna do all the things like i'm you know what i mean like yeah so he probably edits it too like just just watch watch fateful findings i wrote is my favorite but, this, but just watch the trailers okay. of two to three of his movies and tell me it's not this guy does not deserve <laughs> to be the next biggest hell yeah uh, like shitty movie <laughs> like guy like i can't remember his name tommy tommy what what's his, tommy his name tommy Wiseau. Wiseau. Wiseau, I feel like he should be, I think he should be <laughs> just as important in the eyes of the public for Awesomely Bad. I think he's gaining traction, but it didn't blow up like the room did.
3: He, Tommy Wiseau did a movie a couple years ago. It's a sequel to a movie that was like one of those Awesomely Bad movies from the early 90s called Samurai Cop. And oh, uh, yeah. do, do, do you remember, uh, Kellan, yeah. do you remember, uh, what's his name, Robert Starr? The, we yeah. almost met him yeah. one time, the yeah. Media cup. He's yeah. in it. Yeah
5: he's in samurai this cop movie hilarious yeah
3: so and like so like samurai copy it's just like so awesomely bad but it's just so funny to watch and like so in the second movie tommy was tommy waso is, is tommy Wizo, sorry tommy Wizo is in the second one that they yeah. just put out not long ago and i've okay. heard it's i've heard it's almost like the room meets with samurai cop yeah
5: <laughs> okay i have to <laughs> yeah we actually so, yeah, got so to meet, meet Tommy to.
1: remember we met Tommy a couple years ago at the we were at yeah. like a room screening <laughs> have I you ever gotten uh, to see the room like in person it's amazing
2: like like go and see it in the theaters you mean yeah or... yeah you if you go to. see
1: it in the theaters people bring plastic spoons and they literally throw it like in the movie during the movie
2: now, don't they do that during Rocky Horror too? Uh, Rocky Horror do, as well. They, they it's do. a food throwing thing, or do they throw something else? Rice.
1: They throw rice. I think rice. Rice.
2: Yeah. The one Rocky Horror like yeah. event in like college, and I just remember being like, "What is going <laughs> What's on?" What's going this on? <laughs> no, because in room, yeah, I, I had no idea what I was doing myself into. Do you or know that? All like this, the, the crowd and.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's freaking nuts. But in Room, I don't know if you know, there's like spoons that are like on these picture <laughs> frames throughout the movie, and whenever whenever that appears on the screen, people will literally grab like handfuls of plastic spoons and just freaking throw them in the theater.
5: That's so
3: good. Kellen and I saw it yeah. at the Egyptian Theater almost three years ago, and I'm just like, what is going on? And like and like and like and before the that. Place. And before that, Tommy, like, did a QA and a and he just has the most bizarre stuff going on during the Q&A. And afterwards, I I remember uh, Kellen was, like, trying to get his DVD autographed by by Tommy. And then Kellen accidentally dropped the, like, Blu-ray or DVD or whatever. And then Tommy just straight up said, you're tearing me apart, brother. (laughs) I just, I I completely lost it. I completely lost it. And And like there's a picture of me counting Tommy somewhere, and like in the picture, like we're both we both have like the biggest smiles on our face, it's the funniest.
2: (laughs) Oh my god, that's that's a bucket list too. That's a bucket list moment as well.
3: If Tommy ever come if Tommy ever comes to your area and he's doing like a room screening, go to it. You will will. not be disappointed. Take that opportunity.
2: So fun. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Can't yeah, that's
1: done. (laughs) So what was it like growing up in Massachusetts?
2: Growing up in Massachusetts, uh, first, so, man, um, first memory I have is playing Sega Genesis um, without mm-hmm. a controller in the system. My brother would put it under the system, so I, lo- I felt like I was playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, second earliest memory, shoveling snow while my friends were sledding in front of my house because there was this big gully, like the big mm-hmm. woods just like goes down. Mm-hmm. um born with a snow with a snow shovel in my hand um i hated the winters there people mm-hmm. are amazing there some of the biggest like you'll never meet someone like this anywhere else uh so many of those moments back home food is incredible yeah. in massachusetts yeah. um winters are miserable mm-hmm. it's basically you're basically in canada you can you're in massachusetts north shore of massachusetts and you go west and you go straight. You're hitting Canada. You know what I mean? That's basically what growing up in Massachusetts. Trust,
1: is. trust me. We know because we're both from Buffalo. Oh, yep. You
2: have it worse, actually. We have we, it worse. Yeah. The
3: lake, the lake effect.
2: <laughs> yeah, Buffalo is way worse. I think, so bad. No, I think I think Buffalo is definitely worse as far as winter goes than Massachusetts. Yeah. But Massachusetts is bad. Um, yeah, yeah. Growing up in Massachusetts was great. A lot of characters. I was. Um, very quiet in school i got picked on pretty bad when i was young and really? i always talked back everyone talked back when you got bullied you always talk shit back to oh of course up, stood up for yourself like a lot mm-hmm. of my friends did so you had to get in a lot of fights because of that so i grew up in a very italian irish suburb mm-hmm. where there was probably like a fight after school at least once every like four days or five days yeah um, but it wasn't like rough or violence or anything. Uh, my town was really bad with drugs. There's a lot of drugs, mm-hmm. prescription drugs, like uh, epidemic in the yeah. towns that I'm from. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, food again, incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, hard workers everywhere. I'm from is like the like hardest worker mm-hmm. I've ever met. They're just everywhere. Everyone's just like balls to the wall, like just work. Work will set you like you know. Work is the way. Like just work themselves into the ground almost kind yeah. of unhealthy um, <laughs> um streets there are ridiculous you can get lost anywhere driving around where i'm from really um, oh yeah um pretty enforced i'd say it's a pretty restricted place overall um law wise like you know there's so many things you're not supposed to do for massachusetts like i remember in my town you weren't supposed to have like bonfires in the backyard or like a fire pit um, you weren't obviously supposed to have fireworks. You couldn't light off fireworks. Um, everyone I know had parking tickets. Um, my <laughs> wife had like thousands of dollars in parking tickets. Oh man! At one point. Um, I did. I think I had a couple hundred. And then it's really <laughs> expensive to live there, so I would I, like you'd save up money and then you'd find it. where did it go? Like where'd everything? Yeah. Everything <laughs> so that's basically Massachusetts overall in a nutshell. But the best part about Massachusetts are the people. Mm-hmm. the dedication of what people do, um, how smart people are, very intelligent place uh, overall mm-hmm. had a lot of amazing conversations uh, while at home, while in Massachusetts or just with anybody. And then uh, food is, I think the best thing about Massachusetts is the food.
1: And you're a big I'm Mexican a, fan. I heard that
2: Mexican food. Unbelievable. The best Mexican food, best Mexican food I've ever had is in Texas. Uh, oh yeah texas. so good there. The burrito is from texas it's from like the wild west era era okay um i believe and uh, yeah the best food i've ever had is in texas and it's always from like a street cart like a street vendor um, really okay
1: yeah we've been to a bunch of cities in texas like let's see dallas san antonio austin el, el paso. paso i mean I, I only think houston's like the only one i haven't been to, in like maybe fort worth
2: think Austin I had the best Mexican food I've ever had in my life but then Massachusetts has this place called Tanache Tino- uh, that's incredible incredible yeah. um Felipe's is amazing we used to go there every Sunday with like friends and we wouldn't even tell someone that we're gonna go we would just go and then one of our friends would show <laughs> up and be like yeah <laughs> what's up because it's um, just the hangout spot you no know, it's so good border cafe which is Tex-Mex that's on route one they have like four or five locations I know they have a location I think they have one in New Jersey and then there's one, or oh, was that? Yeah. yeah, there's one in New Jersey. There was one in Charlotte, I believe, at the airport. Um, but Border Cafe is probably my favorite Mexican place. Like, like that's Tex-Mex, but that's one of my favorite restaurants. And that was in my hometown of Saugus, Massachusetts. Um, and I went there in middle school. I went there four times in one week. Oh, damn. <laughs>
1: so you're a fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Do you ever get I've to try heard. any of like the crazy Buffalo foods, like chicken wings and beef on whack? Uh,
2: no. Um, oh. I think I've had Buffalo wings in Buffalo, like maybe once or twice, but I don't, I don't feel like I ever went to like the spot. Oh. You know what I mean? If there's like a spot, I've heard of the spot or, a yeah. spot, but I've never actually gone. And, but I have had some incredible subs um, in Buffalo. jim just out. gone by myself, just left the venue and just walked and just got food. And what I love about Buffalo is when you order food there, if you go somewhere if the people are mean to you it's usually the best food. Yeah. Definitely. The meaner they are to you. Like come on, what are you? What? Like you know what I mean the meaner they are <laughs> the better your meal is going to be. And that's the same in <laughs> that,
1: That's funny you bring that up. I was actually in Buffalo in October and I went to this one pizza place which was on Bailey Avenue I think. I think it was just Bailey's Pizza it was called and I, ne- I had never been there. Um, but it's like highly regarded. And I get there and it's like in the worst part of the hood.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I had no idea. <laughs> I get there. I like, I thought I was going to get stabbed, <laughs> but the pizza was absolutely insane.
2: Oh man. So it was it's worth
1: it worth
3: it. So it's, it's it worth dying for. Worth it, was it. it was
1: worth it. It was just kind of sad
2: Pizza worth dying for.
1: Yeah. So the music scene in Massachusetts over the years has been absolutely ridiculous with bands like Slapshot, Have Heart, Converge, Dropkick Murphys, Lost for Words some of these bands have made me think of massachusetts as a hard place to grow up but it seems like you really enjoyed it so
2: yeah everyone a lot of people like um i've been asked a few times i want uh, growing up in massachusetts i've been asked where i was from Mm -hmm. and i'm like that way like i'm (laughs) i live 10 minutes that way or 20 minutes that way depending on where i was working at the time uh but i've got asked if i was from california um i've been asked if in massachusetts i've been asked if i was from california someone asked me if i was from england why would they um, ask you
1: that though you got an accent
2: because not everyone has an accent and uh, oh. i think you know sometimes people are stupid like that's crazy like, some people are dumb and they ask stupid <laughs> questions but i've been asked <laughs> and on the road i've been asked if i was from um england <laughs> south africa i've been asked if i was from um australia that, that happens more in this country when you're not in Massachusetts and you go somewhere else and people That's hear funny. your weird accent and they're like, whoa. <laughs> but no, um, I'm very much, I believe that like happiness is a choice and it's a state of mind that you strive for.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And I am a very happy person. I choose to be a happy person. And I constantly surround myself and do things and build things and make things and make songs. And I constantly try to do things that make me happy and, you know, I'm, I'm married, I'm married to my, my best friend in the whole world. Like I found the, the, the perfect person to be with my, I have two cats and they're ridiculous. It's like a little circus, like, <laughs> it's, it's So ridiculous. And, um, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a very happy and positive person. I was raised, uh, by a pretty big Italian family. Um, my parents split up when I was in middle school and, uh, my mom raised me. She worked three jobs. Um, raised three kids working three jobs. And then my aunt was a really big part of my life. My cousin Lisa was a, is a really, is they're all still, but were really big parts of my life. So I was raised by like really strong women overall and uh, people that stepped up to the plate when thing when they needed to when my parents divorced. And I think because of just being around that and some of my first bosses I had like in high school, I did printed circuit board design in high school because i went to school for drafting and design and engineering yeah. um and my first boss matt Larry, was unbelievable he was obsessed with music he loved that i did transit he he supported me to go tour and come back and work for him he taught me about he taught me u2 he taught me rush like he, he brought me under his wing and like Damn. taught me all these great bands that i i knew about but didn't really appreciate like i didn't really care about u2 and some of their like older music yeah um earlier stuff and uh I don't know, I've just had a lot of like awesome people come into my life and um, I don't know. I'm just really thankful.
1: Damn. So nice, Massachusetts man. is like super supportive. Then I wonder if that worked for a lot of bands, like people would give them jobs just cause that's, yeah, just I mean, though, I got
2: a job through high school. Cause I was, I was one of the best in my, in my class, me, me and my friend, Sean, uh, my friend, Rob DeRosha. Um, there was a few people, um, Levy Camacho, but There there's a few people in my class that were like really into design, like really into 3D design and CAD yeah. and like got a passion for it. So he could tell that with me. So I got a job like while I was in high school and I got to like go and just go to school and then, you know, and work a job and then work on the weekends. And then I graduated and I was working for him as well. Yeah. But yeah, um, he was a really, I heard a lot. All I'm saying is like, I had a lot of, uh, I think I surrounded myself or, or tried to find inspiring people to be around and supportive people to be around and it worked. And Yeah. That's why I'm positive. I, there's a lot of negative people where I'm from. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. You I can can't only go 10 it. feet without a sob story or woe is me or the world did me yeah. wrong. Like you can't go 10 feet in any direction. Um, <laughs> you where
3: know, being, being a happy, like you said, it's a choice, man. And you know what? It's the best choice you could ever make.
2: Yeah, I write really sad music and I, I honestly think <laughs> of, the songs I'm working on now are some of the saddest ones for me like um, ever, but that's because I love sad songs. It's, it's what oh. I like, but I'm not going to sit here and li- I don't listen to, I actually don't listen to a lot of sad music. I, I listen um, to a lot of bands that just have awesome riffs. Like I, just <laughs> love, uh, I did go down the wormhole, like a rabbit hole of the doors. That's pretty, yes. pretty, songs oh, are yeah. really sad. I love Big Star. If you don't know who Big Star is, they wrote the that's the song that's used in the that 70s show theme song hanging out okay oh yeah It's Alex Chilton uh he's the singer (laughs) of Big Star and the replacements wrote a song named Alex Chilton which is one of the best replacement songs and uh that band is just amazing um and I love and then for sad for sad music I really like anything Connor Oberst touches or Tim Kasher from Cursive but I mostly listen to like heavy music. Uh, I listen to a lot of hip hop, and I listen to a lot of heavy bands. Mm-hmm. Um, American Nightmare, Suicide File. I love Between the Buried and Me, Converge. Uh, I just listen to a lot of stuff, and I just go on random tangents of genres mm-hmm. in music. Oh, um, you're not, not petty you're not picky, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not picky. I'm not picky.
1: Do you like Every Time I Die?
2: Yes, no, but yeah. I didn't have I didn't have a moment where I was like. On the every time i die train where i went down a rather hole with <laughs> all their music i loved hot damn oh yeah i loved hot damn and i love the album before that um last night but though. i got into it a little bit because hot damn was the new record when i heard every time i die
1: damn okay
2: um when i was in like i think i was a sophomore in high school um his yeah. lyrics are incredible oh, yeah. um he's one of the best to do it like in heavy music i think he's one of the greatest like lyricists period Mm -hmm. Uh, but i just never had that i think when you find a band you love and you go down that rabbit hole it's right place right time and that never Mm -hmm. happened with me with that band
1: yeah keith keith buckley was actually going to be an english teacher before doing (laughs) that band that was his uh, initial plan pretty cool so uh let's see here I didn't realize it, but Transit had another singer before he joined the band, but he didn't appear on any of the recordings. What was your Pat, tryout
2: like? Pat Boston. His name's Pat Boston. Like I don't know if his name's not Boston, his last name's not Boston, <laughs> but that was his like big name. Pat, Pat Boston. Boston. I, all I know about him is I met him once. I mean, over a couple of times. I shook his hand. He's really. Uh, I just remember talking to him. He's really nice. He was a really nice guy. Yeah. Uh, I remember he was working at Home Depot at the time. He's like a manager <laughs> of a Home Depot, which is really weird because he was so young to be a manager, which I was like, Oh, Hey, like, yeah, you have a serious job. Like you don't want to do a band to like, I don't (laughs) expect that. Um, but I remember, um, so what was the original question? Yeah. It was like, yeah, he was the original singer. Uh, there were actually, I believe there was a demo. So there's a band that he's singing on before transit. Um, nothing trans related with his voice on it.
1: So basically they were playing a show and they, they reached out to the audience. They're like, Oh, we're looking for a new singer and you were at the show. Right. Is that how that worked?
2: Yes, I was supposed to study for a for a, a final, um, yeah. freshman year, in at Wentworth, where I went to school in Boston, and um, uh, I believe I could be getting this wrong, but I believe they were playing a show with Polar Bear Club or no Crime and Stereo. Oh, dude, what? Transit yeah. was opening. I believe Transit was one of the opening bands, and I believe Crime and Stereo was one of the one of the like the headliner. Uh, I, I, I mixed some of these stories up, so I apologize. It may have been Polar Bear Club, but I'm pretty sure it was Crime ins- and Yeah, it was Crime and Um, Sorry. My I'll, I'll never get over
1: um, Polar Bear Club going away.
2: Yeah, dude. I fucking love them. I, that band's unbelievable. So good. Um, so anyway, supposed to study, then I didn't. Went to this show, went to a lot of shows uh, at that time at the Stone and White Church, and I heard transit instrumental songs on MySpace because... Uh, we finally had a band. We didn't have any real, I don't think we had, we had McLean and like maybe one other band that had any kind of influence from lifetime or old saves the day. Can't slow down. Yeah. So when we had one, I think a lot of our friends were like, yo, like, great. Like this, like, wow. Okay. Awesome. Like someone's going to try this. They're going to do it. We're going to get a, like a North shore Massachusetts lifetime kind of band. Oh, Um, which is like, yeah. So I already knew about Transit before they had a singer. And then they put songs instrumentally and you could listen to them on MySpace. MySpace was a thing. Yeah. And, with Joe, and then over the mic, um, they had two singers, uh, our friend uh, Jesse Dampolo and um, another friend that was in a, uh, a pop punk band. And I know his name. I'm just blanking right now because I'm just thinking too fast. But uh, <laughs> they had two singers um, just basically... One was singing like, I'm falling down again. And then the other guy and Jesse would scream, I'm falling down again. And that was like (laughs) the whole song was just like that one line. Um, (laughs) And they were just improv being being like having words in songs. They weren't written songs. Yeah. And they said over the microphone, if anyone wants to try out for the band, we're going to like hold auditions or we're going to like, you know, try, we're going to have people try out. So just let us know, talk to us after the set. Yeah. So I said to my friend, Carl, uh, I go, I'll, um. I might want to do that. I mean, I love Saves a Day, I love Lifetime, like that would be that'd be really cool. Um and he goes, Okay, you should. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Well, I didn't have a car, and he was like, I'll drive you. Like, and he did. Uh, he's been my longest friend. I've been friends with Carl since sixth grade, so I probably wouldn't have sang in transit if it wasn't for him. Um and uh Yeah, yeah, I even let him write um words on a song uh because he's he was a lyricist of our hardcore band. We had a hardcore band called Breaking Waves um which is like a melodic hardcore band kind of like trying to sound like bane i guess like bane mm-hmm. give blood that was and, the one uh, you were the guitarist bad. for i was a guitarist and background background vocals and uh he writes he's been he, he's just a, like he writes and he's just like he just loves music he's like he knows every band that comes out still to this day like just like an encyclopedia of music um so yeah he's been he's basically like a brother to me now he's not really a friend or a best friend he's basically my brother i consider him my brother um but yeah he dropped me off to meet like to not meet but to like audition and they liked me um and it was a song that never got recorded um it was one of the songs out there in myspace so you basically they wanted you to like write to those songs and then show them what you have you know what yeah. i mean mm-hmm. so i had garage band because of a, i had a macbook i had garage band and i recorded that and i think the er- the earliest song so the oldest song recorded is Castaway okay? Um, and okay. besides that, it's the intro on Keep Us To Yourself. Um, Living Diaries intro is the ending of a demo. The lyrics and melody are from a demo from the first transit demo before our EP let it out. So, one p- the intro of a song on Keep Us To Yourself is the earliest transit thing, and then the song Castaway. On Let It Out is the very, that was at the very, very beginning, like when I was trying out for the band. That's from that batch of songs.
1: Damn. Yep. How, so how scary was that first performance as a singer?
2: We played at a nude art museum. So it's just paintings yeah. and sculptures of just naked people, just <laughs> like boobs and dicks and, and, and asses, like just everywhere. And uh, we played with <laughs> We played with this band called The Young Leaves, which is an amazing band. They're on Spotify. They've been around a long time. Um, they're just a great local band. Um, played with them, so we played our first show with a really good, a really cool band. Um, and it was—I remember it was in the middle of winter, and it may have been snow on the ground. And I remember I sang on the on the floor, and there was probably about twenty or thirty kids, maximum forty kids. It was not—it was not like a crazy show, but it was in this little art gallery. I believe it was in Tewksbury. I don't Mm -hmm. remember exactly. I think it was in Tewksbury, Massachusetts. And um, there was this giant speaker on the floor, just this big, awkward box. Like if you took like a hope chest and turned it like vertical, like just this big, awkward box. And that was the PA for me to sing out of. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like turning my back to the crowd and just being so fucking nervous. Um, I literally felt like I was going to throw up. Um, the most quiet person. If I were to just go on a stage now, after not doing transit yes. for so long or being in front of an audience, I'd probably feel that way. Oh, that would be easier, but I would probably feel that way. I'd probably feel nervous, like I was when I started, because you got to like build up, you know, what you're momentum, doing. Momentum, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, And then, um then I remember the band that headlined wasn't the Young Leaves. It was a band that we 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 just had a feeling we weren't going to like them, so we left. <laughs> and I remember like. One of them jumped on our van to be like, don't leave. And we like we're like, we're out of here. Like we have to just leave the show. Yeah. And we were just get off, get off the route, like get off the yeah. front of the car We were Like, fuck off. Like we don't yeah. care. We were assholes. And then we <laughs> left. That was the first transit show.
1: That's amazing. So did you have any specific inspirations when you started writing with transit?
2: Transit, my earliest inspirations were um, like we time. had a little bit of a take It back Sunday because we did the double vocal back and forth. I had a lot of, lyrically had a lot of inspiration from Get Up Kids, Mineral, American mm-hmm. Football, uh, Lifetime. Lifetime was the first influence. So Let It Out, on the first EP, Let It Out, I've listened, I probably listened to Lifetime the most. Mm-hmm. And then on This Will Not Define Us, which is our first full length, I was listening to a lot of Mineral and Gloria Record, any um, any like Midwestern emo um mm-hmm. old get up kids old saves the day further seems forever was a big influence on me the moon is down uh chris carabba from dashboard confessional that's his band before dashboard if you don't know mm-hmm. um really inspired me and then keep then then stay home was modest mouse a lot of influence from modest mouse silent majority seaweed um i believe that was around the time we started playing or playing shows more with title fight And being Mm. playing shows with a band you really like, or like you feel like, yeah, like fuck yeah, I like what you're doing. And they're like, yeah, I like what you're doing. That influences you too. Bands like Tiger's Jaw and Title Fight influenced us because we were like playing some shows, or just even before. I remember listening to Title Fight before playing a show with them um, and liking what I heard. So they influenced. I feel like they influenced us, even though it feels weird because they're not older than us. But Mm -hmm. being around bands that you like as people and like his music will and the band The Agent from Long Island and Crown Stereo and Polar Bear Club. So all bands we played with, but they definitely influence you too. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be just bands that you like, look up to just as a fan, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. But, um, and then Kibos to Self came and it was just metal. I just loved, I was listening to a lot of Pig Destroyer, Converge. I just really a complete tangent. The vocals aren't as clean on that record. I'm kind of Yelp singing more about just emotion and being extra angry and a lot of listening to a lot of like hardcore bands um during that time period as a
3: singer as a singer like how did you find your voice because i know like i as a singer myself it's all about like trying to find your sound and like because like the one big rule is don't try to sound like another singer try to find your own sound so on in your case how did you find your sound
2: I don't, th- I don't think about it. Um, I, I didn't really think about it even that in depth. I would just, I would just write the lyrics. I would really just focus on how are the words being delivered. And I wouldn't really think enough about how my voice was. It wasn't until um, Listen and Forgive or the, the EP before that, um, that I started thinking of my voice more sonically, like an instrument, which is really late in the game, I feel. It was more about emotion the whole time than it was about how it sounds sonically. And then being at where we recorded Listen and Forgive, we would have a lot of gear heads coming in and out of the studio. So people that are just obsessed with drums, just obsessed with amps, just obsessed with guitars. Um, And then it was like more of a laboratory experience. And then we started really getting into different microphones that worked with my voice. And different booths and we would put different things around where the mic was on purpose to change the way it sounded. We're like taping a pencil to in front of a mic. Like we just experiment <laughs> with things and a lot more than we even needed to, honestly. Um, and then I, I started thinking more about that, but I don't know, I still don't think about it that much now. I, all I do is I sit down and I go, this is what I get. So like with stuff I'm working on right now called Narrowcast, um, Matt will send me a song and it won't be finished. It will just be like an idea. And um, he'll send me this like riff or whatever, like, like just a random riff. It can be any kind of genre. And then I'll listen to this loop or whatever, this riff or this creation that he's made. And I'll just listen to it and I'll just sit there with it. And I'll go through all the, all the lyrics that I've written and I'll just kind of freestyle right to it. I won't really think about what I want it to sound like. I won't really think about a genre. I'll just listen to it and just say, what can I add to enhance the song? And I'll either write the whole song from front to back in one sitting, which I think is the strongest way to write music is one sitting. One Write the whole song, mm-hmm. listen to it, tell yourself, does this suck or do I like it or does it have potential? And if it, it sucks, completely throw it away. Yeah. And if it doesn't have enough potential, completely throw it away and then go and then write it in one sitting again. But only write when you're inspired to write, and never write because you feel like you just should, um, is what I've learned now. Um, yeah, and then and then uh, sometimes I'll be like, "Yo, this song is really long. I, I'm only gonna write to the t- this 20 seconds. I'm just gonna figure out this 20 seconds, and I'll just write to that. And then I'll go to uh, the bridge, and I'll just write to the bridge, and I'll put the bridge on loop, in um, you know, in whatever whatever recording. You know a program i'm using a lot of transit I, for me for demos i used garage band a lot um yeah. For i think mo- most of transit i use garage band to demo everything but now i'm using logic and um and uh like kind of like a somewhat of a setup and it's more controlled so um but yeah that's how i do it oh. it's very random you just go here's the thing I'm going to make something.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm making it for me. I I never, so we, we definitely, we definitely met some bands that were like making a brand or making like music for fans. Like,
5: mm-hmm.
2: and I, I never, I mean, I never, I never truly felt that's what we were trying to do. I just wanted to make something that I haven't heard for me to sit down and listen to. And for it was a very selfish way to look, I guess, look at music, but everything that i contributed to all the songs that i've worked on and i'm still like that today is is literally just for me it's like there here's a song here's me i'm going to add something to it so it didn't exist and now it exists and i listen to it and just like songs i love i listen to it if i listen to it too much it's like gum that loses its flavor and i don't really care about the song anymore yeah. and then it could be someone's favorite song you know what i mean even though you know so that's kind of what I do. I don't really think about it any more than making stuff. Um, my mom made a ton of arts and crafts. I definitely get a creativity from my mom. Um, but she used to just like make Christmas ornaments or make, you know, wreaths or, or make, you know, <laughs> cake. She's a cake decorator. Um, she still does. And she would just do it. I'm like, why do you do it? She's like, it makes me happy. And I think that's why, I think I have that part of me from wherever that comes from in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just i just like to make stuff. Making stuff makes me happy and it fills like any kind of void. Mm-hmm. I think if you don't make stuff and you're a person who should, person who's supposed to be making things with their in like during their downtime, you're get lost. Um, if you're not, it can lead to like serious depression so you should be, you know. Yeah, you always got to stay
1: motivated busy. and busy. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: That's why you guys do your podcast. This is your yeah. this is you making stuff. You know? Yeah, it's Same. actually
1: it's funny. Cause I, I started it like right when the, the virus took off, I knew we were going to be screwed for a while. So I went to guitar center and I financed all this equipment <laughs> and I'm actually just yeah. paying it off. Like literally like this month, I have the last payment it's done. So and then
3: uh, the first guest we got was uh, a buddy of mine actually, who directed one of the Friday the 13th films. And Kellen was just like, wait, who can we get on this? Do you know anybody? I'm like, I got the perfect guy to be the first
2: guest. <laughs> like, I want to, It was just like like that. You're in a cool fucking place in the world, man. I like that's awesome. That's crazy.
3: It's amazing. Kellen and I have managed to have so many incredible adventures out here, even during the pandemic. You know, we've gotten to like meet so many great people, we've gotten to work with some great people. And, you know, it's been such a great journey that we've had. And, you know, and like, so I, I'd say kind of like what Kellen said, that the podcast is kind of what saved our asses in a way.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what music did for me. It definitely. hundred yeah. percent. I wouldn't be the way I am talking to you now. My personality yeah. and my love for life wouldn't exist. Maybe it would, maybe. But I don't think, I, I think that I found who I am and the way I am now and how I am with my friends and just anything in life and coworkers and stuff like that would, I don't think would be the same without Mm -hmm. transit existing. And, uh, I, you know, and being able to express myself and the amount of songs, I don't know how many songs I've been a part of, but I definitely think it's almost, maybe it's about 80, maybe it's almost a hundred. I don't know, but I know it's a a good amount. Um, and to have been able to express myself and how I was feeling that many times over and over and over, you really get to learn who you are. So I'm, I'm really, I, I love the shows. I love talking to people, but the biggest takeaway I had from transit was making stuff.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
2: Like making stuff, not even recording the songs, just writing songs. Yeah. Just structuring and,
1: it. And yeah.
2: Yeah. That was my, and I loved everything else about it, but that was my biggest takeaway. It wasn't about being a front man or going yeah. to this other state or going to this other country. Those were all like bonuses yeah, but it was really about. I would just sit. dude, we we're gonna walk tour? I remember everyone's like going out and partying, and I did party. to Everyone party, but like,
5: yeah. <laughs> I remember
2: like being glued to my laptop. I was always, and it's always a MacBook. Yeah. You know, I grew up being like obsessed with PC, and I've had a MacBooks because of Transit and Garage Band and all that. But yeah. I've been glued to a MacBook writing songs with Google Document, like Google Docs, since Transit started, and still to this day. And that's where my playground is. It's in words. On Google Docs. So I have Google to thank for a lot of stuff. <laughs> Apple to thank for a lot of stuff. Um, Hell yeah. For sure.
1: So, what was it like having Promise Nothing released for Record Store Day?
2: Awesome. Yeah. Um, Promise Nothing was, um, I think, where we really started finding our sound. Um, it, was, it was like right, that was. That was a dark definitely some dark songs on that I think it was with two yeah. songs and um, yeah that was that was just fun. Uh, I remember being really excited about those songs. I know that we kind of remixed one and re-released it kind of changed it around yeah but um, Danny Brenton took the photo outside from inside his house going outside in winter um, oh, wow. I wish I had more of a memory of that of that of those songs that was a we recorded those songs during a pretty hectic time of the band yeah. so there was more stuff going on internally with mm-hmm. members and stuff like that that i feel like it took away a lot of my my more beautiful memories of mm-hmm. those songs so i have i could tell you a million stories like a bunch of stories about young new england and joyride yeah listen and forgive keeps yourself almost got kicked out of college because it keeps yourself <laughs> jesse yeah. cannon literally wrote pages and page long emails to my professor to stop him from kicking me out of class wow basically being like you're an art teacher this is an art major and he's doing the most art he can do yeah it you know what I mean? he literally stopped me from getting kicked out of school he's such an amazing person um, that's crazy so um, yeah I know a lot of stories that don't have a lot of stories about that about that record i was just
1: i was just curious do you think that helped add to the fan base and you know help get the music out there at the time when it was released for record store day
2: definitely definitely i think if anything the biggest things that that helped our fan base grow um i think were um stay home and listen and forgive were the two big like we put it out and then things changed we put out stay home and then we started playing shows to like a couple hundred kids at venues and people climbing on each other yeah and more getting getting hit so when you sing you're getting hit with the mic someone's hitting oh, yeah. the back of the mic by accident it's flying into your teeth so i have a lot of bloody mouth, uh, a lot of bloody teeth and so it'd be basically a, i felt like we were a hardcore band when we put out stay home um yes. and then listen to forgive um was a big one keep us yourself did pretty good i think that got the, the, uh, we i don't know it, uh, my favorite record of Transit is Joyride because it was the last thing we put out, and that's how it's always going to be. The it's newest stuff such we put a good album to go
1: out on too.
2: Um, but stay home if you're talking about like older songs. The most proud I am of Transit is a few songs off of uh, This Will Not Define Us, like um, like yeah. For the World and um, Radio Flyer and Empty Shell, and then I'm really proud of um, really proud of Stay Home. Um, yeah. yeah I don't know it's just that we're different chapters we did what I feel like we tried to do what Pieball did, did, did and what Saves the Day did it's like we're just going to write records and if it's a pop punk record or if you want to call it that or call it a hardcore record or call it an indie record which is I feel like more like Joyride is more of an indie uh, record call it whatever you want we don't care we're just going to make stuff if a record label is going to pay for us to record we're mm-hmm. just going to put out what we want to put out depend, and it's not going to matter if it's for if it's for the what people expect of our band you know yeah Yeah. so and that hurt us sometimes and it really helped us sometimes and i'm just glad that now that transit's like broken up every record that we put out i know that i put out what i know that we put out what we wanted to Mm -hmm. at the time it came out and we were the most honest about what we were putting out that's how it felt Mm -hmm. it didn't feel like a fan service like The Mandalorian is. I'm not comparing anything (laughs) to the level of. Let's just get that squared away. The Mandalorian is not a fan service. It is someone giving their life and saying, "I don't give a fuck." But so is the Last Jedi, and people hate. Some people hate that movie. I do not like the Last Jedi, but he at least put out what he was going to put out, and he didn't care what people thought. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. we were kind of in that vein. We're very stubborn with what transit was.
5: I remember got to be a
3: little got to be a little stubborn
2: to get by.
5: Yeah.
1: I remember you seeing you guys do an acoustic performance at Record Theater in Buffalo, New York. It's one record store we used to have. It's closed now. Um, but I think my friend's band opened for you guys and I mentioned this to you. They they named their band Head North after the song because yeah. Head North. Um, did, yeah. they play, met, did they I play did they play that? I show?
2: Um I so we played in New York. Yeah. Um, we played at like a festival like not a festival but it was like bands upstairs bands is like three rooms of bands yeah. um and that's where yeah. i believe i met them mm-hmm. um but again my memory is terrible
1: Yes, <laughs> all right
2: to certain degrees it was terrible when we toured because you're never sleeping yeah you're always eating garbage <laughs> um you're exhausting yourself moving equipment um just not sleeping sleeping in a van dude i have anxiety like i have pretty bad anxiety Mm -hmm. and i you don't even know how many times i woke up thinking like we're gonna die we're gonna get in an accident we're gonna careen Mm -hmm. off a cliff or hit black ice we've hit black ice a bunch so i never slept (laughs) when we toured yeah um and my memory i think from not sleeping and being so fatigued um i don't have a good memory of of certain shows specific shows Meeting certain people, I've reintroduced myself to the same people so many times, and I know it's pissed people off, but it was never like (laughs) a rock star mentality. It was always just because I was exhausted and sleep deprived.
1: Yeah, that's got to be tough. They're like, "Oh, remember me," and you're just like, "No." (laughs)
2: Sucks. It sucks because I I feel like I'm a people pleaser, and I I really love people, and I hate to be rude or be mean or come off like a jackass. But you you can't help but do that.
1: I mean, honestly, Uh, we've all been in that position, though. Yeah. yeah. I, everyone's been in that position where somebody walks up and you're like, yeah, I don't remember you.
2: I do remember meeting them in New York city though.
1: Yeah. No, I remember who cool, I met. It. If
2: you had a lineup of all their faces, I'd be like that guy. Like I would know. Brent, um, Brent,
1: the singer is the one that I knew mainly. Cause we, we went to school together, like middle school and high school. And I mean, I, when that band started, he used to like design the flyers like in the library and stuff. And I'd be in there and be like, Oh shit, new tour coming up. <laughs> Hell yeah. Awesome. So yeah, it was cool. Um, cool. So, your third full length, Listen and Forgive, seemed to really bring transit to the forefront and get the audience it finally deserved. I know you had a great experience in the recording process. What made it work so well?
2: So, I'll tell you something about Listen and Forgive. Uh, going into Listen and Forgive, coming from a heavy record, heavier record, yeah. like Keep it to Yourself, I was almost not on board for recording that record. Really? Um, yeah. I wanted, we wrote an entire album's worth of Keep it to Yourself Part Two and then it got we scrapped it so i don't tim wasn't really happy with what he wrote on guitar Uh Um, and they would the demos he didn't feel like he wanted to go to a next level and like progress the band and he wrote more songs and i wrote two those songs and he just didn't feel like they were where we needed to be and the next step or evolution of what transit was going to be and i remember just hearing like these newer demos come from him and they were more like there was softer. It was softer sounding. Yeah. And uh, I was still very like angsty or angry or whatever I was going through probably with school. Mm -hmm. It was so difficult to manage a college major, stay in college, pass, Mm -hmm. pass sophomore review, which is basically, if you don't pass sophomore review, you have to repeat everything. Yeah. Pay for it all again,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) borrow more money to do it. So I was panicked and I was, I wrote a lot of songs about transit ending even on the first full length. Cause I never really thought I could stay in transit yeah. while I was going to school. Um, Cause it's such a gamble taking out student loans and paying them off, um, trying to pay them off. So I was writing about transit ending from the first full length, this one <laughs> the finest radio flyer. So I really was going to be done with transit Damn. before listen and forgive. Um, I had a phone call with Tim and whatever words he conjured up to convince me to stay, I stayed. And then I gave, listen and forgive everything I had Mm -hmm. and the album was way more repetitive than I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be like part, 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 done, maybe a chorus twice. Then it became more of like A, B, A, B, C, D. Like it still had a, not a, you know, a, a generic structure, but it was definitely less, of what Keeps Yourself was. Um, yeah. So I almost left. But then when we did the, I remember um, the Promise Nothing songs gave me a lot of hope for where Transit was going.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: So that kept me on board. And as long as the songs could be sad, I was on board. And it's yeah. not just sad to do sad. It was because I feel like sad songs are honest songs. Yeah, and, of And um, that's why I still do like, you know, more depressing songs to this day. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, well the original question was, um, what was the original question? Sorry. So, I so was, many memories about listening <laughs> for you. I have so many memories about it. So
1: it was just about the recording process and what made it work so well, like with everybody. We had come people
2: come in. Um we had people come in that were just like like from Massachusetts that were gearheads. they are the guys on message boards mm-hmm. telling you what gear to buy or where to go. Like um our friend Adam, he the best pair of headphones I've ever worn in my life were sennheisers um that he showed me. So mm-hmm. um we had a lot of like people come in that were friends with the studio um, that would add their two cents, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and help us like, say, why don't you try this or why don't you try this? But it was transit writing the songs and creating everything. We just had more of a library to expand and more layers to guitars mm-hmm. and it was a very guitar focused record. I think that's our, well, probably our most guitar forward record Um mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was, it was fun. I was, Modest Mouse has been the longest um, influence for me as as a part of Transit. Mm -hmm. So Modest Mouse and Broken Social Scene have been the two most inspiring and in Death Cab and Tegan and Sarah Mm -hmm. um, have been like a big inspirations for uh, the later Transit stuff from Promise Nothing forward. Um, So I would just listen to a, a bunch of music that I liked And just like, be like, I'm not leaving this room until the song is done or I'm, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I would definitely go back and change some stuff with that record. And with even Joyride, I would go back because I'm, I never feel like I figured out songwriting. So I'm always just kind of like, hear it like a song I'm working on now. It's in front of me. Yeah. And I look at it and I go, okay, I really like this part. I like this part. and then i'll highlight one line and i'll I'll make it orange or red and i'll be like this is filler this one line is filler yeah and i need to make it up to par with the rest of the song that's Um, smart or this is an ooh this this is an ooh and this should be a word yeah in the chorus it should be an an ooh or a whoa sound (laughs) so i'll like zoom in to those little individual parts that i feel like are filler me being lazy yeah and then i'll just focus on that And then I'll fix it and then sometimes I'll think a songs done and then like day before we go to record it I'll write a whole new part to like I'll make an alternative verse two and then I'll end up keeping that and that will that's what will make the record with the new stuff I'm working on now I literally followed a cat around the room and (laughs) recorded vocals and that became the take that we that we're keeping for this song Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was a black cat so I recorded in um, in, um, North Carolina uh, High Point North Carolina with Gage Owens, who's unbelievable. He's one of the mm-hmm. best people I've ever recorded with. I, I think he's my favorite person I've ever recorded with. Um, and we sang through a piano, this old dusty piano. We put mics mm-hmm. on the back of it and I yeah. we opened it up and I sang through the keys. So my voice is hitting all the strings and we're doing a lot of like weird stuff. Um, it's definitely more of an indie sound. Of course, if we're doing that kind of stuff, following cats around and doing weird shit, but um, It's just to have fun. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited. I'm I'm so excited and proud of the stuff that I'm putting out. That's getting mixed and mastered right now. And there's definitely a few songs that I think transit fans would really like. I think there's at least like two or three that I think transit fans are going to cling on to, but the first ones we're putting out are just the songs we feel are the coolest and we're the most proud of first. So that's what we're going to do.
1: When do you think that'll be coming out?
2: I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm checking my email every day. Uh, oh, hopefully, yeah. very soon. I can't see it taking more than a few weeks uh, for me to get the files that I need. Yeah. Um, and uh, from there, we have pretty much all the artwork done. I have to proofread all the lyrics if we're putting it online. Yeah. Um, but we're going to put it out digitally first and then hopefully do vinyl. Uh, this is my first time doing anything That's without hilarious. a label since Transit's very first EP. Let yeah. it out. So, I have this is the first thing where I own everything and I've paid for recording everything. And uh, I don't know, man. We just everything we're doing now, it's more about just following a vibe mm-hmm. and less of like I feel like Listen and Forgive had it was following a vibe 100%. Yeah. And I feel like Joyride's awesome. It's really fun, but it was more about writing what was fun. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about being weird and following a vibe of a song and the, and the, the spine of a song. And the, what's the song telling you? Mm-hmm. Like without words, what is the song trying to convey emotionally and focus in on that and keep that and retain that the whole time throughout the whole process is what I'm doing now with these songs. So I'm just very excited. I don't even care if it only 10 people hear it or a th- couple thousand I'm just, I know that I'm putting my very best foot forward and these will be some of the, my favorite songs I've ever been a part of easily. So I'm, I'm really looking
1: like, forward to it. It's going to be sweet. Yeah,
2: called Narrowcast. The project's called Narrowcast.
1: Narrowcast, okay. Um,
2: we, and then the EP, oh, well, I can't say it. I'm not going to tell any of the names of anything, I guess <laughs> it's not finalized yet, but yeah. we got our, everything's done. We're just waiting for mix and masters of two songs. And then Sick. we have a cover song done. And then we'll have a cut. Co- we have another cover song done, except it's like twenty percent more. And we're gonna have one of our friends do like a a guest vocal on it that we're waiting on. But that's where I'm at right now.
1: Hell yeah! Got any pig squeals on
5: that?
2: No, <laughs> no pig squeals. No, no, but you'll laugh when you say that. When you say that, you're gonna. I'm not gonna tell you why, but because you said that. Yeah. Um. With, with one of the with with one of the tracks, um I don't want to spoil anything. Um, you saying that ac- actually is funnier than you think it is, is what I'll say. <laughs> and I will promise you there are no gutturals or any screams on any of these songs. But what you said is pretty funny, and you'll see why um for at least one of the tracks oh, man. that's recorded, not so much written.
1: Oh, I'm stoked. I can already tell.
2: So
3: when's that? Uh, right, oh, go ahead. Now you go. Ahead, all you're go. Good. So uh, when uh, do we have an expected release date?
2: Uh, we're literally waiting on two. No, he mix doesn't know. Two and masters. Two mix and masters, um, and uh, once we get those back, I don't see any reason why not to get it online as soon as possible. Um, because it's been so long for me. I'm like dying over here. Um, to put something out and, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I want to put it out as soon as possible. We were hoping to have it out. We, we, we recorded the first three songs, and we wanted it to come out Halloween of last year. Yeah. And then we started working on a newer song. And I literally wrote a song about that had a reference to a car accident. And the day that I started working on it, I literally got in a car accident.
5: No. Yeah. How'd that happen?
2: Oh, uh, a guy cut me off. So I was driving, and the car... So I'm I'm driving. Let me see if I can do this. So I'm driving and this car just comes out of nowhere, like gives me like half a second, and I have to swerve. Oh no. Like one in the back of my car smashes into the front of another car. Oh my god. And the car that caused it drove away. So I went to the hospital. Um in like a like a stretcher, but I was fine. But my like my back still I get it'll never be the same, but I didn't get anything broken. Nothing severe happened, but you know fuck my backup like i was all jacked up for a while it's still um,
3: the whiplash will do enough effect of it
2: yeah yeah so i wrote Dang. a song that had reference to jumping a guardrail in a car i didn't jump a guardrail <laughs> but the same day that i'm working on this fucking song so i literally jinxed myself with a song and then finished the song while at home in bed and then um and that was, I kind of feel like it was my fault for starting <laughs> to write about that subject matter and then getting in an accident. And then the second song I wrote in one sitting, um, that the first song, the very first song we're gonna put out, I wrote in one sitting, um, I wrote in the dark. I literally got my laptop, complete darkness, and just wrote the song front to back. And then after that, I've, I worked on the end rhymes and the little nuances of words i'd pick by walking around my building or walking around the neighborhood i was in which had just headphones and just looking at google docs on my phone and then uh i feel like i almost overworked what i was going to put into it but then i was really happy with the overall end product so it's just a lot of detail work that i i I get to have the time to do now that i didn't with transit because we put out we literally try to put like an album out every year Mm -hmm. You, um, but yeah, I'm happy. I'm excited for it.
1: Do you think growing up, going to Basement and VFW shows is the main reason for you wanting to be in a band or did that desire come elsewhere?
2: No, the Beatles. Uh, the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper is where Damn. everything started for me. Eleanor Rigby was the song that made me want to be a part of music. Wow. And then, um, from there, <laughs> I went from the Beatles to um, you know a bunch of classic rock bands. And then I went into the worst like corn and limp biscuit
3: yes the new metal like
2: the worst like (laughs) trash and that's because of influence of middle school and then eighth grade i started getting back into i started going to shows probably seventh grade eighth grade oh yeah um and then i got into punk local punk bands and bands from like gloucester and salem massachusetts Mm -hmm. Uh, bands like uh, i can name a few like boxing water Local shows I saw, I saw I saw from local bands. So there'd be local bands and then there would be bands from the surrounding towns and then yeah. there would be bands that toured from like Long Island, New Jersey, Maine, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Rhode Island, like would come through and also play shows that were in the local scene. The shows that I went to the most were in Massachusetts were in Salem, Massachusetts at a Damn. VFW called, uh, called this well, the Salem Elks and then sputniks which is on the wharf in salem so salem was Mm -hmm. the biggest part of local bands and touring bands and music for me wow um, so we had like um ska bands metal Mm -hmm. bands um bands that were kind of like american football but not not enough not 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 Mm -hmm. enough of that um pop punk bands. so um um jay maz from defeater had a pop punk band called kobe tie and um then we had um, a band called our new year which i named a song after um on keep us yourself um that was like and you can find them online i think they're on spotify and they're on mm-hmm. youtube but um they sounded like modest mouse not Modest Mouse, um american football mixed with small brown bike they were like i think ahead oh, okay. of their time almost like mixing different like emo bands emo and stuff like yeah that. Yeah, but they were just amazing. They kind of had a little influence from the who uh, in there, which is really cool. Um and then uh a lot of heavy bands. I saw Bane. Uh before Give Blood uh, Give Blood came out. Um Do you see that
1: that, that documentary that
2: they, they did on Bane? No.
1: Oh man, that came out a couple months ago, dude. It's so good. I think you can get it on really? Prime. Okay. Yeah, I got, got- I
2: got to check that out. I'll send you that. Um But yeah, I saw um I almost saw a brand new play of VFW. I missed oh, that. that. What? That would have been crazy. That would Holy have been crazy, shit. yeah. Um, this was like right after uh, right after your favorite weapon. Oh, uh, man. So I almost saw them. I saw um, bands that were on compilations with Cohen Cambria, but I never got to see them when they were small. Uh, I saw, um, who else? So it's basically like ska bands um punk bands boxing water was a a big one for me i really like that band um and then i don't think they're i don't know if they're good anymore um (laughs) there's like certain bands where i go back i'm like i don't really know um but uh but yeah we had some awesome local bands we had Nola's recovery so the local band that had the most influence on transit was probably Nola's recovery Mm -hmm. and they were a band before that called full fit and uh They were just like American football mixed with like pop punk kind of local band. They didn't sound like us. I would say that like some of the guitar work influenced Tim and Joe Lacey when transit first started. Yeah. And I think they were just a really good fucking local band Mm -hmm. that transit needed to hear to come up with where they wanted to go. So that was important. And then we had McLean, which was like, our version of lifetime so we had like one sound lifetime sounding band but yeah it's just it's just so we were so lucky to have so many genres of local bands
1: yeah that's awesome it's, so, it was
2: all over the place yeah
1: i know you were a big fan of the benefits that warp tour had to offer what were your favorite aspects about that festival and why do you think it was so beneficial to bands trying to find their audience and vice versa
2: meet the audience i i would stay near the merch table it definitely helped us sell more t-shirts so we could put gas in the tank um and i got to meet a lot of fans and Mm -hmm. well a lot of supporters and people like really Mm -hmm. meet who who listened to to transit and who they were yeah and i literally every day of warped Tour, i'd probably just recommend bands yeah <laughs> i'm a lot like my friend carl who, who who has like been my friend for the longest but i just like showing people stuff We're like have you checked out this have you listened to this have you saw oh, have you cool. seen this movie so I'd go on people's phones and just make a list of my favorite like hardcore bands mostly yeah. heavy bands that i would just give really? to people um yeah I showed so many people the suicide file uh, across this whole country i think they're the coolest i think they're the greatest. I think they're the greatest hardcore band. Period. It's the the fuck you hardcore that, that genre fun. of hardcore. Suicide. Yeah, Suicide File. I think is the greatest of all time. If you like Blacklisted and American Nightmare and Hope Conspiracy. Oh hell yeah. Uh, Ceremony. I think oh, yeah. that you like or Dangers. If you like those bands, then you have to listen to the Suicide File. Dude, Dangers
1: um, is crazy. I love Dangers.
2: Dangers is amazing
1: live too live Uh, he's nuts
2: have you heard have you listened to cursed they broke up um they got robbed on a tour in europe but they put out three records one's called one two and then the other one's three and it's got like you know (laughs) words in the actual title i just love bands that do that they don't like name things it's like a roman numeral that's (laughs) our new year that local band did every song was a number it was one two three it was one through 13 (laughs) and then they broke up every song was just a number
1: like weezer with (laughs) the colored albums
2: yeah, it's just like, we're not going to name the songs. Fuck you. It's, it's just, like, just, fuck it. The, the, music,
1: the music's amazing. Just we don't need to worry about the album title.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I just like, and I told, showed a lot of people between the bear to me that didn't know about them, like oh, just fans so and stuff mm-hmm. of transit. I would just like look for, or the weaker thans. I've talked a lot about the weaker thans. Oscar, the band Oscar, um, this band called The Kid Crash. They have an album called New Ruins mm-hmm. that... My band was obsessed with it at one point, and uh, Rilo Kylie, So I just just share. I think the best takeaway I got from Warp Tour um, was sharing mm-hmm. um, bands with kid with fans that would probably only listen to bands on Warp Tour. Mm-hmm. So I shared a lot of indie bands and a lot of hardcore bands, and a lot of like, I guess some some underground hip hop like Jedi Mind Tricks or Aesop Rock or Brother Ali. Mm-hmm. Um, with with people that love music so just sharing music it always just comes full circle best yeah. thing about whoop tour is sharing music
1: and i know you did those tei workshops right where you uh worked with fans how did you like yeah
2: uh, I, those those i didn't do too much of that i did a little bit and that was fun uh, oh, okay. i was just like or just sit okay. down with someone's song and um, and work on them with them. Oh, another big takeaway from Warped Warped Tour was uh, I would skateboard every all the fucking time. You I skate? Lived on my skateboard, <laughs> dude. I've been man. skateboarding since probably like 14, 13 oh, or fourteen because no of Tony Hawk Pro Skater One. Um, with <laughs> yeah, Rodney man. Mullen, Mike Vallely, um, Dayong Song, um, so yeah skateboarding on woke tour in parking lots was fucking awesome that's amazing um, <laughs> and uh what else i had one other thing um oh and then we, we would because the world tour is ridiculous yeah. so you kind of just like get away with stupid antics on stage oh yeah and uh one of the first times um i met uh one of the first i think it was one of the first times i met adam from taking back sunday he was like he was like i saw you guys play it sounds awesome he goes he goes. You should do something crazy. Like do something yeah. like you know what I mean. Like oh, so, what was about? So I was like going to climb the irony ball truck <laughs> oh <my laughs> because Adam told me it was like to go crazy and do something. So I was like, st- sticking all these fucking microphones, no like cables together, so I could get them loud enough. Right and the fucking guy, the sound guy, comes over to me and he goes, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Nothing.
5: You're
2: like, I'm. You're gonna you're gonna climb this truck, and I go no. He goes if you climb this truck, you're going home. You're immediately off. You're gone. Oh, so I was like, fuck.
5: Oh. So I so couldn't wait.
2: climb the truck. um
5: Was that, that the did, long-haired honestly.
2: guy? I
1: I was that Kenny Leaf, the guy? I don't, guy, know. I don't uh, know. Damn.
2: No, that guy was cool. I remember one guy. Like, I think they called him the Wizard or something. Guy with long hair that's worked on like big, big events that guy was nothing but cool I'm, i don't yeah. know i don't remember who the guy was just regular guy and um that's funny so instead of that i remember getting a boogie board and then putting it onto the crowd and then standing on the boogie board and trying to stay up there and then <laughs> at the end like doing a front flip into the crowd and then a band i think it was why do well, i don't want to say it was straight from the path i don't think that's the band that was not the band no it's no, a no. band name that sounds like that that I don't listen to, but it was a heavy band. Stick to your guns.
1: Stick to your guns.
2: Maybe man. one band. I think the guy had long hair. I, I don't know this band that I didn't really like. Yeah. Or didn't really know. Didn't re- like. I was just like, okay, people like your band, cool. <laughs> Not the biggest band, but I just remember this heavier band.
5: Yeah.
2: <laughs> stole my shit. It took my boogie board or whatever, and what they use the it. <laughs> oh And man. they wanted to be like, oh, this is fun. This is this is funny. Like we were doing this, and I'm like, no. Still, my fucking boogie boy i don't know, <laughs> who what I didn't know who the band was so I i talk shit but i can't but anyway so then i would just take merch bin lids and just fucking use those <laughs> and stand up like, flip off of those so i have a lot of That's ridiculous amazing. pictures of me, like halfway front flip through the air that are on line and will randomly be put in like whoop tour blah 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 or though i'll randomly see them on things like yeah on file on instagram and stuff so i'm proud of those like, i got to bring like trying to bring like my love for skateboarding into whoop tour by like <laughs> trying to balance on this board and do a trick of some kind.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, I definitely saw a picture of you on the boogie board. I think for sure. I remember there was a yeah. big picture.
2: Did they stupid. share
1: that on like the van's warp tour, like page even?
2: Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't know. But I just, it's just, I was just, I get, just I, I always just try to find things that keep me entertained. And I think that was my way of being like playing two sets a day every day. Yeah. And it's net and it's a long tour. I gotta make this more fun than I I can make this. I gotta make this as fun as I possibly fucking can, and I think that was part of it.
1: No, we were talking. That
2: was the reason I started doing it because he he kind of called me out because he you know he can do things. He's climbs things. He's he's a he's a front man, front man's front man. Like he's like the real deal. Where I feel like I just like making songs and having fun, and I I don't I didn't really think of myself as like a front man. you know what I mean? So, and I love that band. I, I mean, I was listening to take Take 'em Back Sunday in high school like all the time. So, ah, I really cool do a the podcast shit. with John. It's really cool to be friends with them mm-hmm. um, because their music has influenced me over the years. And I've been friends with uh, Nathan, um, who also has a band, um, uh, Adam's brother, for a long time. So, he was at the, some of the first transit shows um, in the Carolinas. And, uh, it was, yeah, I've been friends with him for a long time and it's just really, uh, it's really beautiful. Um, and it feels really good to have such amazing people in my life, I mm. guess, that inspire me and that love music me, it, probably more than I do. Definitely.
1: Do you have a favorite trans or uh, taking back Sunday record?
2: Um, I mean, it's gotta be tell all your friends. Um, cause that's, I really, the yeah. that's the one that got me into them. That was like the start and it sounds the most like lifetime. And I really love the straylight run the straylight run parts. Yeah. Straylight run, I let I love what John does. I love his his ability to write songs and his what he contributes to music mm-hmm. um, so much. And I love how much that shines in the first record because you'll have like it's like taking back Sunday part, and then it's like a straylight runs part of a song. And it will, you know yeah. what I mean? Production wise, it's not my favorite. I think their self-titled might be the best. I think their self-titled might be the best thing um they've ever done Um, really but for me favorite would have to be that record because of the memories attached to it
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i don't think i got into them until the louder nowadays but i saw them i saw them in 2007 with lincoln park and my chemical romance and that was nuts
2: wow yeah louder now has the best riffs that's like the best i think the riffs of taking back sunday those were all the big heavy hitter riffs are
1: ridiculous Mm mm-hmm so your, your family is from italy when transit got to play there you described it as a life-changing moment what did you love it about there
2: i love these questions um everyone looked like my cousins it was so weird <laughs> everyone looked like my cousin nick who i kind of look like um and some, like like some of my other cousins as well but i just remember like being in this room and being like this is so fucking weird uh, i was like because i'm so used to like in, in the states like everyone's from everywhere and where I'm from, it's a lot of Italians and, and Irish and, um, and other, others from like a European descents. And uh, um, I just remember being there and being like, this is so strange. It's like I'm playing to my yeah. family, oh, but no it's way. not awkward. And people had signs and they had like the slug drawn on the signs. Like, little, like they were holding like pieces of paper. Yeah. Instead of like a sign, it was just like a eight and a half by 11. And we ate before the show. And that was a real we had just like a family. Yeah. And like it was just uh surreal. I wish we played like more of the cities and stuff, but we played we played like two towns, played Italy twice, and they were both in like the suburbs. Okay. And the coolest aspect of Italy, one of the coolest aspects takeaways was when my family moved to the United States, a lot of them were just masons, like they would just work on rock walls. So a lot of like the rock walls around cemeteries, especially there's a cemetery right where i grew up um down the street from me i lived, literally lived on a hill yeah and that was just like overlooked like a cemetery creepy <laughs> yeah. um um and uh yeah and uh it wasn't creepy living there though It was just, like the hill the woods yeah. and the cemetery so you didn't really see it but it was there um <laughs> hell yeah and uh where was i going with this um oh so the same style of rock walls around the cemetery where you just get big rocks and cement and you just stick it in there and you just put cement around it and you stick another rock mm-hmm. on top of it. And it's not very pretty. Um, we all over the place in Italy. And I remember like almost tearing up being like, here it is like, like that's Italians amazing. built those walls. And then they, m- my ancestors came over and that's all they probably knew how to do. Um, and, and, and especially my uncle mike who's still uh well he didn't come over but he's like a first generation american yeah. in my family first Amer- one of the first born here um so it was really cool to um see that you know mm-hmm. italians building these stone walls around the like the roads and stuff and then yeah. seeing that same type of design in my hometown and in the suburbs of massachusetts so that was cool
1: so it came like all full circle for you then pretty much.
2: Yeah. It was just cool. I had that epiphany moment. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, like I have a, one of the coolest members of my whole family, um, fought in world war II. He's okay. one of the last world war II survivors. Um, Damn. he, he's hilarious. Um, he, he only he eats, uh, two, he eats one egg for breakfast, one piece of toast and <laughs> one orange, one glass of orange juice every day. He never smokes. He never drinks, and he eats mm. vegetables from his own garden. And he is a hundred years old.
1: Damn! Wow! Exactly a <laughs> hundred.
2: Yeah, he's a hundred. And That's he amazing. told me, he told me the secret to living a long time. That was the secret. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I, I feel, I, I drink, I drink, I smoke, so I feel those two, so I'll never make it <laughs> to a hundred. And I eat two I have two eggs for breakfast. And he goes, I have two, two as well. eggs. He goes, like this. my uncle Mike's like, two eggs. No, one egg. Because I'll like, you know, like, one egg. Like, and I just remember telling me this. And I fucking, I, mean, I kept my composure. Too much dying fat. dying inside. I'm like, two eggs. No, it's <laughs> a lot worse than two eggs. I mean Not scrambled. Yeah, <laughs> but he's a saint he fought a world or two um he 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 loves like dude he he's got stories that are unbelievable and uh yeah that was, a, that was a, he's a pretty good influence on my life but yeah i've always had these like heroic crazy <laughs> where the hell did you come from type of people that pop in and out of my life and i always make a point to talk their ear off yeah. that's so important
1: no i heard i heard people in italy are super nice though right
2: yeah yeah, because people yeah, in it was France, very nice.
1: I heard people in France are dicks, but Italy's cool, I heard.
2: Unless you play Millencolin, Colin, we didn't give a shit about our songs, and then we covered Mill and Colin, No Cigar, and they fucking, it was, like a, it was like a a wave, <laughs> like a wave of people, <laughs> like, what the fuck, she Fuckin just plays this song like four times, <laughs> it was so funny, we played Le Club. <laughs> i saw a rat the size of a dog i saw a rat that was this fucking big oh my no! my biggest regret going to, going to paris was not seeing the catacombs i wish oh, i got to see that that would
1: have been sick Ugh. is that like the Ugh. one from as above so below yeah the, the one horror movie i don't know,
2: I, mean, know? I don't think I, I don't think i've seen that that movie yeah i think they filmed um, it there yeah, yeah. but yeah I, I wish i saw the catacombs. And met the creepy ass people that are down there just kind yeah. of making sure nothing wrong is going on. Like That's your job is to be a security guard <laughs> of just a tunnel of death for miles. Like, what the fuck? fuck uh, up. I want to meet that guy. I'm like Store well, that, well, that yeah, right. like, yeah, a documentary you- on him. <laughs> yeah, well, how did you get here?
5: That's wild. What are
2: you reading right now? <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> what is, What even is your life?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would meet those people, but not be in danger
1: yeah right so were there any like were there any good food spots like any any notable eateries over there
2: um uh, so
1: must have been amazing playing
2: shows being overseas i call it the land of missing condiments
5: oh really every
2: time you want like barbecue sauce or ranch or ketchup it's never Uh, it's never nowhere to be found yeah Um, I didn't have a lot of fun eating food over there. I didn't have the money to go to places that would be incredible to eat. Uh, the best food I've had on the road has been in New Jersey, Long Island, Texas, California, Seattle, um, Washington, Seattle, Washington, um, That's pretty much it. I I liked some food up in Canada, like poutine and stuff. But Midwest, Midwest, I didn't have a lot. I don't remember having a lot of great food. Philly has incredible food. Oh, Philly, yeah. The the best takeaway for food for me is Texas. Um, Oh yeah,
1: barbecue. Come on.
2: Yeah, and Mexican food. Brisket. Yeah.
1: So fucking good. Game over. Game over. Yep. So okay. So I wanted to ask, we already talked about the fights a little bit. You got in around like 14 <laughs> fights, I think you said in an interview. Um, yeah, I got maybe.
2: picked on and I stuck up for myself. I never really had yeah. a friend that stuck up for me. Yeah. I had, one of my friends actually ran away. I was in like brawls, like I was a kid getting in fights.
1: Did you win these so fights? Last
2: brawl, uh, Yeah, and some ended up in a tie because I didn't think you should be able to kick. I told yeah. this kid, I was like, you can't kick me in this fight. In fight <laughs> I'm you can't be kicking me um that's fun I remember as we as played a... soccer too so he probably would have kicked my fucking ass if he kept kicking me <laughs> but no that was, like when you watch a when you watch a high school like a, a, any kind of movie or show about and I don't think it was 14 I think I was probably exaggerating. I think I've been an 11 11 sounds right
1: that's still a shit load. um
2: and I'm not saying I'm a tough guy I'm just saying yeah. I got picked on someone was well, kid last name was McCabe I think it was Jeff McCabe <laughs> or oh dude I, I, was... remember <laughs> the I remember the names Uh, I remember the names of some of the people and like, he literally didn't like my backpack and he grabbed my backpack and pulled it because I had a big skateboarding backpack. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I was like, you're an asshole. I was like, fuck you. And his friends built it up to make him want to fight me. Like like, now you have to fight this kid. And it's like a big group, like a big gang of kids. It's like, dude, that's exactly
1: what happened to me. So yeah. first, first of all, I had a friend named Craig McCabe. That's why we were laughing. Cause that's hilarious. And it's his sister, <laughs> his sister actually moved out here to California. What's her, what's her name again? I Angela, 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 McCabe. Yeah, Angela McCabe. Anyways, that was funny. Um, but yeah, when I was in high school, I got in one fight in freshman year. I remember this and oh, everybody, God. everybody in my locker room in gym, like literally cornered me in this locker room and made me fight this fat kid that like, oh. I had no problems with. <laughs> Like for no reason at all, and then this kid, but he was into it though. He was like, "Yeah, fuck you, let's fight." Oh, he was like pushing sucks. me. Yeah. He was like a nerdy fat kid, and I'm just like, "Like, all right, I have no problem with you, but that's hilarious." And uh, I, I don't remember what happened. He just kind of like started pushing me and like talking shit, and then I don't remember what happened. I just remember I swung, I I succeeded, I hit him, and I think he missed. And then that was it. And then I started walking away and he hit me in the back of the head with like his lock. Like he had his lock in his hand and like bashed me in the back of the head with it. And I didn't even, I hardly even get arrested. No, I like, I don't think anybody really saw that. Like I think it was over at that point and he kind of just did that. But what the kicker here, the thing that really sucked is one of my friends filmed it like an idiot. And you know, I mean, it's, it's on his phone. So technically it's his personal property. He didn't need to show anybody this footage. Right. So he gets called down to the office, and they're basically like, oh, we know you were there, and we know you filmed it. Show us the video. He could have just said no, right? Yeah. But this kid totally just shows them the video, and I got suspended, basically, and had to go. I was supposed to go to this place called Dexter, which is like a bad kid's school for a week.
5: What? And I'm like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's called Dexter. to
2: move you to another school <laughs> just for one fight. They're going to move oh. you to another school.
1: It was horseshit. But of course, me with my brilliant ideas, I'm like, fuck that. I just want to play Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. So I had my mom sign this little form that was like, okay, he could stay home instead of going to Dexter. He can stay at home. And so that other kid got sent to Dexter and had to deal with that shit and all the bad kids. I was at home playing video games, watching movies all week and eating my brains out.
5: So. <laughs> yeah. No, like that's the thing about fights,
3: Kurt. The thing about fights is, you know, there's always going to be the the peers that want to escalate it more.
2: Oh yeah.
3: And like, so this is so I so here's my my high school fight story. Since now we're going into like well, whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, you got to tell them about the time you punched a teacher though.
3: Uh, I'll get that. I'll go. That's a whole different <laughs> yeah. story. But no, but no. <laughs> Cal- <laughs> so this is all well, that topic. So that topic, she grabbed me force, like forcefully by the neck to where it hurt. <laughs> And so I, so like, that's the thing. And I'm pretty sure this teacher got fired too, but yeah, I acted out of defense and mostly anger. And I just, boom. Yeah. And
5: Wham. of course, but of course,
3: but of course, like, cause like she, she like dug her nail, her nail was pretty much going into my skin on my neck. So that was enough <laughs> to show like, among, cause like they tried to like say that I was the one that provoked it. I'm like, oh yeah, well look at this. Yeah. Look <laughs> at this yeah. right yeah. here. She did this yeah. to my neck. So that was enough. So that was enough to like, say something. But then like the other topic, Kellen remembers (laughs) this actually, because this is when around the time we saw Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper. Oh yeah. So, so this is what happened. Uh, I'm on the bus on the way home. I'm like, I'm like, this is like 17 year old me. This is like 11 years ago. And so this kid, like, he's just making death threat after death threat saying, I'm going to kill you and your whole family, yada, 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 saying all this stuff to me. And like, all the other kids are like, are you gonna let him get away with that? Like they were just saying, dude, you gotta do something. Like they're like saying, do it, do it, do it, do something, dude. You gotta do it. You gotta get up. You gotta get up and stand up for yourself. Like we're they were, born. we they need play.
2: to entertain us. We're dude. bored. We need you to entertain us. Exactly. So, this
3: so, so like, what happened was, I, <laughs> I get up. I'm like, so so like, I get up and I'm just casually. He's like, so like, I'm walking down the aisle about to get off. He's on my right, and I'm just casually walking off like I'm not gonna do anything. And this fist is already buckled up. And then I just turned and, like, unexpectedly just, like, swung the hardest punch I could at this kid. And his head goes flying back, and it hits the
5: bus window. Oh, my God. And and I just casually
3: walk off. And so, like, the next morning, I go to school, and everybody's saying, dude, we heard about it. Good job. And, like, that kid didn't even (laughs) show up that day. He he wasn't even there the next day. And then the next day after that, I see him, and he has, like, the biggest bruise in between his eyes because, like, the – you, you just smashed him. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like My middle knuckle is like the big knuckle on my hand. So that's yeah. kind of like what got him there. And then like, I, he's just like looking down the whole time when he walks by me. And then like, I get called to the principal's office later in that day. And like, so apparently based on what I heard, he ratted me out by saying my initials. And I was the only one that stuck out like a sore thumb on that bus. Yeah, but your initials are CM. That, there's got to be more people with CM, right? No.
1: Oh, so funny. it's just like he was.
3: It was just he was afraid, you know. So like, uh, I don't know what it was. It was like he kind. Of, in the end of that day, he's the one that pretty much threatened me. So it was, and so like I get told. So like I get called into the office. I'm sitting there waiting, and then I get brought in, and then I'm. And then they're like, "Did you punch a kid named Brian Lambert?" Well, first they started off like, "Do you have something you wanted to tell us about?" I'm like, "What are you talking? What are you talking yeah. about?" I'm just like, what are you? I'm just casual. I'm I'm calm about it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, What are you referring to? And then they're like, did you punch Ryan Lambert in between the eyes? I'm like, who's that? I'm like, (laughs) I I, I, kind of played dumb. Like, like I didn't know about what was going on. Like, I remember this kid's name. I can't believe I do. And so, like, he, so that I then I pretty much just admitted to it. I'm like, well, you know what? He threatened to put (laughs) me and my family in harm's way. So I kind of felt threatened. So and if you I give me I had you're to you're next. <laughs> so they suspended me for like three days, and uh, the funny thing was, uh, Kellen ha- already had tickets for us to yep. see Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper. And get this, I still got to go. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you got wait, you got only three days. I got a week. I did nothing. I like hit the guy once. I got th- dude, like I I got three days just for like slugging the
5: guy.
2: I all our fights were after school. It was always like on the walk home. Oh or man, like I, behind I watched a lot school. of those. And some people were crazy. They're like, We're going to meet at school on Saturday. Yeah. We're going to fight that. And then somewhere in like the neighborhood, like they, me and this <laughs> kid both touched on the same girl um, and fought a few times. And then that's amazing. High school, no fights. Not a single fight in high school. Everyone really? was school except. There was one kid that was talking shit to me, and I was just like, nah, man, I, I don't wanna dance. Like, I know you want, man. like, he wasn't saying we gotta fight, but you could tell there was tension between our conversation. Like, yeah. it was gonna, it could eventually go down the road to we're gonna fight now. Like, it, I could see it maybe an hour, maybe like an hour or two or three. I could tell, like, hey, man, like, we're not gonna get along, and, and this could become what those were, those like fights. So I remember nice. just like kind of steering away from that. And then I didn't get in a fight until Brisbane, Australia, um, last show of the tour. Last show of the tour, um, the bouncer started choking this kid out. I That's and I thought I'd find a God. video of this eventually. Someone did film it, but I never found I never found a video. Um, but last song we were playing like "For the World," I believe mm-hmm. it was. Um, yeah. And I know I had a. I think I had two beers maybe three I wasn't drunk but I remember like you were buzzing just like I was buzzing and we played the song and we're at the very end of the song and this is like a you know I wrote the song about my grandmother it's not like a heavy song like like, uh you know what I mean and uh it's a very meaningful family song I guess and uh this bouncer didn't like the kids were crowd surfing and needed to control the crowd yeah. So he grabbed this kid that must have been 16 years old, 17 oh years old. Oh, my God. They put him in a headlock and just started squeezing his neck. And I watched the kids, I watched the blood rush out of this kid's face. His skin was so pale. He looked like a, a piece of like, like Xerox paper. He was white as a ghost. And Dude, his eyeballs oh. looked really big, like they were bulging out of his head. And I just remember, and- I just remember waking up in the middle of the punch. So I yeah. punched him in the same eye like five times. I just went like, "Oh dun, hell boom. yeah!" Same eye, right here, just smashing this guy. And the guy was way bigger than me because he's like a fucking—he's yeah. a bouncer. He was bigger than me. He's a muscly guy that goes to the gym and shit. And I just remember just waking up. I don't remember making the choice to actually hit him. Yeah. I just thought I was seeing someone murdering someone in front of me.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. So did they tear so did they tear be you be guys apart, or did he hit you back, this guy?
2: I hit him, and then I, I hit him and hit him and hit him, and then I think PJ, our, my bassist, uh, came over and pushed him into the crowd. And then the, <laughs> the, the promoter was also – I'm pretty sure the promoter was like an all-in-one sound guy, everything. So he was doing the sound engineering of the show. So yeah. he jumped off the soundboard, ran through the crowd, grabbed the guy, pulled the bouncer back. Everything got separated. Show was done.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course.
2: Show's done, but it's last, songs. No, last um, no song. Encore, yeah. No encore or anything. Um, so I'm helping out, move out the merch bins and stuff. And I'm just kind of standing in the club. And the guy, the same guy comes right up to me. He goes, come with me outside. And I'm like, great. This is going to suck. This guy's going to beat the shit out of me.
1: So what happens?
2: <laughs> he what? brings me outside. We walk outside. He goes, he comes outside. And he goes, you know why we're outside? And I go, yeah, we're outside because you were choking that kid to death. And he goes, you assaulted me. Like he was upset. He was like, like he was upset. Like he oh, was, he was, he was butthurt.
1: Upset. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And um, I told him, like, oh, I go, I hit you because you attacked, like you attacked that kid. He was strangling that kid, that little, like the kid was, he, he was little. And uh, yeah, it just wasn't a fair phone. fight. He goes, he goes, wait here. And he goes, and he, and he walks away and he's walking back and forth on his cell phone. Oh, man. I wave DJ and I wave the band down, I'm like, yo, come here. Yeah. Just in yeah. case. Like, come here. I don't know who this guy's calling. He's calling his friends. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. That's sketchy. So they come over. Sketchy. He comes up to me and he goes, You guys need to pack up your shit and you need to leave. I talked to the owner of the bar and we don't want to press charges, but you guys have to go. Like, um, right. So we left. Yeah. We left and then we hung out with koala bears and kangaroos the next day. <laughs> I went to his zoo, like a petting like zoo thing. Yeah. And, um, and uh i just remember thinking like yo if i get charged in australia i'm fucked because this yeah, is the that, day the before we had like one day after this and i had to go if i had to go to court if anything happened after that it i couldn't up. afford that yeah. everything would have been dude would have been thousands of dollars in trouble and getting
3: getting arrested in a foreign country above all that's like um, a yeah what year was so that that
2: was, that was the last fight um so we were on a tour with anchors. So all I have to do is look up transit anchors tour. I'll do um, it. Transit anchors tour. Um, Australia, 2000 and... oh, yeah, in. Totally... Nope, just comes up with tourist stuff. Um, let me do this. I should know this. I'm just kind of blanking. Um, 2012. 2012? 2012. 2012. My last fist fight was in 2012. <laughs> said, good about that.
1: This one says, that, says the story so far anchors tour.
2: That one says it on Pinterest underneath it, but above it, I believe uh, it was 2012.
1: Uh, okay. Damn. So yeah. Was, there's a 2013, they
2: did a 2013 tour. We did a 2012 tour.
1: I see. So this was like before, oh damn. So it's like after, I'm trying to think what year that was. Listen and
2: Forgive came out. This was right after Listen and Forgive.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking.
2: And it was at Paddington Hall in Brisbane, Australia Damn. on August 26th. It was the last fight I got in. That's amazing. And I'm proud of that. But I'm not proud of the fight. I just thought that kid was getting murdered.
1: That was two days after we released our first film in a film festival. August 24th, 2012. Remember that? That's right. That's
3: right. It was, uh, it was two days uh, after and, that. And Kellen uh, directed it, and he won an award for it, actually. <laughs> it was absolutely so was garbage. Funny,
2: people. You did something productive. It was garbage.
3: <laughs> well, you know, like, we kind of look back on that stuff, and, you know, we realize it was, like, the starting point to, you know.
1: It was just making stupid films with our friends yeah. and them throwing them in festivals and pretending we're somebody. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. <laughs> but that's how we met yeah. people, and that was fun. So it opened really- up a lot of doors for us. But, yeah, continue. <laughs> I really respect your taste for diverse, diversity in music and the fact that you really don't like being labeled or placed into a box. Yeah. Your, love, your love for music really branches out to many genres. What helped you develop this mentality? And are there any genres that you don't like personally?
2: Um, so I think I, I kind feel like I answered that a little bit with just influences over the band. Yeah. We, literally, we really got inspired by what Piebald and Saves the Day did.
5: Pretty where much, Where they yeah.
2: just put out a record. And they change their sound, or they change a genre—not completely. But you got to say they like there's a giant difference between "Can't Slow Down" and "In Reverie."
5: Mm-hmm.
2: There, you know, there's a giant um, difference between like you know, um, you know, early Piebald records, like "We're the Only Friends That We Have," and then you know, uh, when life hands you lemons. I feel like I feel like those were bands. I know a lot of bands have done that, but I feel like "Saves the Day." Going from cancel down through being cool, stay what you are, in reverie, you know, sound the alarm. All those records have a different sound. Mm-hmm. And if you if you listen to Chris Conley in interviews, you can tell he's doing whatever he wants to do. He's not he's doing, he's following his own musical path. Yeah. He's not taking any advice or any direction from anyone but himself. That's and I always it. found that really cool about him. Mm -hmm. Um, to be so confident where he wanted to go, and I think that rubbed off. And I think Tim had a lot of that in him too. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of like one of the main engines of the entire band. It was like I feel like it was his band that we were a part of, but not not in a negative way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it was his baby and his dream that we were a part of, and we added as much as we could to it and make Mm -hmm. it our own dream. Mm -hmm. But I think with his stubbornness to do whatever he wanted to do with his guitar and his song structure and his writing, and then me being stubborn with what I wanted to do, Mm -hmm. kept that, that was a no brainer to do what we did. Um, the song he wrote the most lyrics for was young new England, where I kind of co-wrote those songs, um, less of me doing most of the lyrics and melodies. Mm -hmm. Um, and then where it's more of me is Joyride, and then the albums uh, before Young New England. So the most control he had lyrically, where yeah. where I, I kind of had to collaborate, was probably Young New England. Wow. Um,
1: and he did a lot of like the structuring of songs too, right?
2: Yeah, like we'd write. He'd give me a guitar riff, just be a yeah. riff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would write my parts, and he would tell me what he loved and what if there was a part he didn't love and I needed to go back, mm-hmm. and then. We would run with that and then show it to the band. And then the band would add everything. And then we'd change and gut parts out and add new parts. And then sometimes he would take a demo. Like he took the demos that were going to be what Listen and Forget" was originally going to be, which was like a, basically a sequel to mm-hmm. Keep It to Yourself. Um, and he would, he literally took Long Lost Friends, which was a slower, sadder song. Um, I guess it was, it wasn't, so it was slower than Keep It to Yourself but it was sad and like crushingly sad. And then he made Long Lost Friends more of a catchy song. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing it and loving it, but being like, I don't know how you took that song and made it this song, but cool. You know what I mean? Like, this is great. Um, But then he would do that. He would like take a song that me and him already wrote and then go back to the drawing board with it and then show me what he did. Um, And then there'd be songs that I would just write the song front to back, no music, Mm -hmm. where it'd just be the vocals and then they would make the music around it. But that didn't happen as much as I'd like it to, but it happened a, a, a good amount. Uh, I would say I would say it happened a few times, and I wrote like one riff on a Transit record. Mm-hmm. Um, but I yeah, just, wanted, it's I just wanted,
1: I wanted to say that that Keep Shining On tribute EP they did for Tim Landers was absolutely incredible. How did that all come together?
2: So that just came together out of love. I really kind of... So, I wasn't contacted directly about that. Um, I got a text message about it. Uh, I think it was from Will, Mm
5: -hmm.
2: um, from Stories So Far, about about that it was happening. Mm -hmm. And I was in North Carolina at the time, so I wasn't living in Massachusetts. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't with everyone else in the band living near them. So I understand that I wasn't like one of the main decision makers on it. But I think the idea was presented to daniel or to johnny our, our manager um and then they gave the green light and then i kind of found out about it later on um, which isn't a bad, bad thing at all I, I was just so happy that it came out and uh i don't know it's just really beautiful that it came out and that it was made and mm-hmm. uh yeah i'm just glad it exists and i think the people that were a part of it are really beautiful for doing that and uh and yeah, I thought the songs that they, that everyone picked was really cool. Um, Do you have a favorite? Yeah, that's I really like- all I have to say
1: about it. Do you have a favorite from the ones that they did?
2: Um, I like. Outbound. I don't know. Maybe story. So- like- yeah, outbound. Uh, probably story so far. Yeah. Um,
5: uh,
2: yeah. Probably that.
1: So let me see here.
2: It was hard to listen to. I think I've listened to each song like two or three times, but total because it's just like it's, it's yeah. so much it's so emotional uh yeah. that i i it, it hit so close to home yeah. like my brother passed away last year and that oh, really yeah. fucked me up and then uh, before oh, that obviously tim passed away before that before yeah. my older brother passed away and um mm-hmm. each time it hits you it just doesn't feel real and i remember our drummer daniel uh called me and he out of the blue and I haven't talked to him in a while, not for mm-hmm. any negative reason, just I just haven't, we're just caught up in what we're doing. And mm-hmm. uh, he called me and I was watching True Detective season one. And I said, as soon as he picks up, I go, oh man, I was just thinking about you. I'm, I'm watching this show. I'm watching True Detective. And I remember Tim showing me this show. I said, Tim too, to Daniel, I go, I remember Tim and you being obsessed with this show and talking to me about it and showing me it at like a hotel somewhere on tour. And then he got really quiet and i'm like what and then he told me that tim passed away and yeah. uh it was just so weird that like he called and i immediately started talking about him and then he yeah. told me the news
5: yeah.
2: um but actually i i was i talked to tim um and had a real heart-to-heart about music and he, and he told me that he was really he was really like happy that he met me and and really happy for all the songs we wrote together um i'm not giving it justice of what what he said i remember i was doing a million things at once when he called me i wasn't really free as much as i wish i was but he called me out of the blue i had no idea who he was the number was a saugus massachusetts number and he's not from saugus he's from stoneham so i was like saugus maybe this is my dad calling me did he get a new cell phone like what is this number or my brother kevin who was alive at the time Mm -hmm. and um I remember just picking up the line the phone because it said Saugus and then it was Tim's voice. And it took me a while to figure out who was calling me. I was kind of like, you know, when someone calls you and you're not really sure, yeah. you don't want to be rude and be like, Hey man, yeah, everything's cool, man. Everything's great. Who and is he this? started talking about <laughs> Mineral. He started telling me about Mineral, um, the band Mineral. Yeah.
6: Um,
2: and um, I remember just talking to him about that, like after I realized who it was, because his voice sounded so different. And then, uh, we had a great talk about music and I had, you never, this is the craziest thing. when someone passed away, you never think that when you're talking to them, it's the last time you'll, you'll never have that feeling.
1: No, yeah. And
2: then after it does happen, and they do pass away. You realize that was like the most important conversation you could have had with them, mm-hmm. or it was like such a, it's a bigger conversation, mm-hmm. uh, than you think it was. Um, you know what I mean? That was the last time you talked to him and, uh, yeah, man, it's just crazy. Still doesn't feel real. Um, I love his family so much. His dad's unbelievable. His brother Seamus is incredible. That whole family is just incredible. Everyone is, and his family, his immediate family, is just so beautiful and caring and and and, and passionate about what he did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and supported what he did so much. And uh, yeah, I'm just so thankful to to have been a part of his life, such a big part. And that him, that Tim was such a big part of mine. So,
5: you know, I can
3: really relate, man. Yeah. I can really relate because, you know, especially when you have that tight bond and you, especially like you guys are on the road together for years, you know, you develop a really special bond and it's very and you and a chemistry like no other. So, and like when you, somebody is just like gone, just like that, it's just like, you really, it's something that you can, you, you never really comprehend with it. You no, it doesn't
2: know. feel real. You don't really accept it mentally. But exactly. I will say this. This is the this is how I remember Tim. How I remember him is we're we're outside, I think it was taking back Sunday's bus, and we we're all Adam was obsessed with like working out and like and like doing planks. <laughs> Wait, really? Planks. <laughs> Adam would get everyone to do planks no and way. hold a plank. And it, <laughs> we're all planking and um i think adam's smoking a cigarette he has a cigarette in his mouth while he's planking i think tim did too because tim was smoking (laughs) cigarettes at the time and he's planking and and this guy walks over he looks at all these dudes just doing planks outside this bus like just and he just stops and he looks at us and tim goes he goes he's like yep he's like doing the plank he's like yep just a bunch of cool guys doing some cool guy shit (laughs) to this complete stranger and he's saying with like a cigarette in his mouth or whatever he's like just a couple of cool guys doing some cool guy shit that's going on here or whatever and that's him like he just he says he always said the funniest fucking thing you could say in that moment to a complete stranger without any hesitation and just light up a room and that was the coolest thing about his personality but more so than the songs the amazing songs mm-hmm. he wrote and how creative he was on guitar it was yeah. just he was just a fucking guy that would come in a room say the most say the most ridiculous fucking thing yeah. not hesitate or give a shit what people thought about him and it was but he didn't he never tried to hurt people's feelings either but he just yeah. he was just like a like a timeless personality and uh and i i miss that about him more than anything
3: Do you have any, uh, any like video footage of like some of the shenanigans you guys did on the road?
2: I don't know. I mean, I I remember so much in my head, um, that I don't really look for any of that stuff. And I mean, I'm sure there's like clips of stuff in like old music videos and stuff, but a lot of it's on phones. The problem with these fucking phones is you get a new phone or your phone breaks or you upload it to a cloud and you lose fucking everything,
3: everything. Everything, Yeah.
2: So I've lost thousands, Mm -hmm. thousands of photos, thousands of videos on flip phones or iPhone one or iPhone two era that we were touring. And what you wouldn't have, I don't think a lot of people depended on Google drive. I mean, I think these things existed, but I think they were either overpriced at the time or it just wasn't a thing that caught on. So I think a lot of people lost photos, Mm. but
1: I remember having one of those LG chocolates, the one where like the (laughs) the keyboard comes. I remember that thing.
2: (laughs) Oh, well, because
6: that
3: was, well, cause that was, I was like gonna my say- second phone. Well, because what I was gonna say, what I was gonna say was say if you guys if you guys got a bunch of footage from like you know stuff you did on the road for like the decade you guys were together, you know, and maybe doing like a DVD, kind of like what Every <laughs> Time I Die did, like what Pantera did, like like a, a video for like the fans to see, you know, like yeah, pilot together. I
2: wish that existed. I don't know if it does. I mean, you'd have to go through bands. we played the most shows with like man overboard and they would be on their phones and their hard drives and then it would be on brian lally who was our merch guy for the longest time um probably one of our longest running merch guys um i think he has a lot of photos uh, a lot of videos and photos and i think pj might have a good amount tori was really good at keeping stuff like keeping videos and photos and Organizing it. Daniel was too. I was the worst. I've lost. I've lost so much stuff. But yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe everyone's just so caught up in what they're doing. Tori has, Tori has Bloom and all his other music, like, like uh, all of his solo stuff. And then Daniel's doing incredible at photography. If you go on his Instagram, he's like, and he's, 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 he's got his, his like his own business. Um, um, and then pj's just working like a beast. He's like double working. and He's going to school um and uh yeah i mean yeah um there's definitely stuff that exists but i don't know we don't really do anything transit wise like we're all just doing our own Mm. stuff and we're in different parts of the country now yeah so um you know i'd be surprised if if we do anything again ever i mean Mm -hmm. i hope so but um would uh, you say
3: Would you say there would ever be a chance of a reunion?
2: I don't know. I don't know because it's just um, with Tim gone. That's definitely a big one. Yeah, I, mean. I can. But I'm not it. saying we won't because of that. But that's definitely a big one. Um, it definitely affects that. And then I had a lot of PTSD. Like I guess you call it that. But like um, I, I used to have nightmares like every night about dying in a van accident. Oh, um, that was a big scary. reason why I think, and then after the Ghost Inside accident, that really shook me up. Oh, so yeah. there's a lot of reasons why we stopped being a band, and it wasn't just one reason we stopped being a band. Mm-hmm. But for my reasons, for for my reasons personally, why I was like, okay, not touring anymore. It was a lot of it just, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like it was like I could die on the road. I felt like I would eventually. Yeah. And we got Dude. in a lot of close calls. We got in a, we hit a lot of black ice as a band. Yes, and then I, I, I almost killed us. We almost went off. a. We hit black ice on a mountain. <laughs> oh, we no.
5: oh,
1: shit.
2: I think about that every, at least once a month still to this day. And yeah. this was way back when this was probably before stay home came out. This was like, when we first started touring.
1: Damn, um, I
2: believe so. Um, but, uh, I think about that all the time. Like we literally easily could have died and almost died. And it was a, a good amount of closed calls, at least a handful of close calls where uh, I think if I was on the road again, if I went on the road again, ever, it would, because it would be, because I really want to play shows and I really want to give some, give people something special, Yeah. but it would be against the raging, terrifying fear of death. so i would have to deal with that yeah for me um i would have to conquer that demon i don't even like driving a car dude like and i got in an accident not too long ago like i said earlier so i really so many fucking people die in cars and i'm terrified of highways uh for someone who toured for eight years i'm terrified of the highway i've seen a lot of cars completely engulfed in flames oh yeah um and uh yeah and uh I um that's one of my reasons why you know not doing it anymore seemed like the right time I think the ghost inside thing shook me up more than anything um and it just made really like wow these are people we played shows with we toured with we've run Mm -hmm. into at festivals and then that happened and uh, it definitely tragic. shook me a lot. But yeah, that, but yeah, and there was other reasons. Other people wanted to start businesses, like start a family business with their brother, or you know, different endeavors happened too at the same time that led to us no longer being a band.
1: I think you ended at a good time though, because there really wasn't a bad release, and I feel like Joyride was just such a great album to go out on, and I feel like it left fans wanting more, which is kind of a good thing. I yeah, would
2: say. Um, we ended on the word "end." That was cool. It I'm like a big word nerd and uh joyride ends on the word uh this is how it ends so ends oh yeah you're right yeah but i know that was kind of cool for like <laughs> word nerdery um this is kind of like that me. and i didn't do it on purpose but i remember writing that i had a really weird experience writing the lyrics to that song tim wrote <laughs> the bones of the song so tim yeah. wrote like the demo of the song and the lyrics first and then i Gutted, uh, not not all of it, but I I changed the song into a different song. Yeah, he wasn't with the band at that point. Um, but I took. Uh, I wish I could. I'd have to have the song in front of me, but uh, the song is written by me and him. But when it, he first presented the song, because it was his song before he left the band, and it was then it was the band song because it was mm-hmm. all of us working on it. Um,
1: this is my but, uh, song. This is when I was memory.
2: working on the song. I had a really weird, um, like I had like an experience that I never had writing a song, um, where it felt like a song was coming into my head, like from somewhere else. Yeah. And lyrics came into my head that came from somewhere else. That was the lovesick and lonely part of the of the song, and um, I looked up who it was, and it was it was like an old song. I think it was like 1940s or 50s, and it was a song, a singer um it was a female singer i think her name's anna baker um that left the united states and went to france and became really successful over there and uh the words came from her and the melody came from her but i never heard the song in my life so i went on youtube and and typed in the words that that song was from and i hit play and when i hit play the whole room that I was in the bedroom where I started writing the transit songs from day one, the same bedroom at my mom's house in Saugus, the whole room felt like it was electrified. Like, like the air felt like it was electrified. Um, I know it sounds stupid and crazy. Uh, but, yeah. um, I remember being like, what the fuck? <laughs> like having like a ghost and in- felt like a, kind of like a ghostly encounter, but yeah. I didn't see anything. I just got the worst, I guess the worst chills and pins and needles from, clicking play on that song yeah. and i remember being like for some reason being like this is i gotta fucking make this the the i have to put all my energy and work into this song now because some i had some weird moment um that's crazy and uh then i didn't know maybe maybe it was the universe telling me that was the last transit song i don't know but that's freaky i know all the rooms all the, what what this what the, transit songs are from my perspective are the rooms that i wrote the songs in yeah so only one the only one i got woken up in the middle of the night um by a roommate and um i remember writing that song after a roommate um kicked someone down a flight of stairs where I was <laughs> it was like three in the morning and i didn't write the song about the person but i remember being like i'm staying up now like terrifying <laughs> and i guess i might as well work on a song and which um, so was woke- that uh, the only one. The only so one. I wrote, okay. I wrote that at like on a kitchen table in Salem, Massachusetts. And Damn. then um, that's a strong opening. Ignition, ignition and friction came from the listen and forgive era of transit. I believe nothing left to lose came from listening to like a lot of postal service and death cab for cutie Hell yeah. and just trying to make like a fun song. <laughs> um, Sweet resistance did too. That's I believe babe no nothing left to lose is more of a like a a, uh, young new england kind of song fine by me came from the listen and forgive kind of era because i wrote a a lot of songs while we were writing listen and forgive that i had that i never got rid of i just kept them and kept working on them and tweaking them from there yeah summer dust um i wrote rhymey i was trying to like rhyme a lot in that song and then Pins and needles the same thing. And then follow me was more of a singer-songwriter attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what a my s- favorite record of transit for sure is Joyride.
1: Saturday Sunday, too.
2: Yep. Actually, uh,
1: I say what you were gonna say.
2: No, no, you're good. I'm just looking up lyrics of songs because I haven't looked at these in forever. No, uh, I just
1: remember I remember there was like a review of Joyride when it came out, and this one asshole critic was calling Saturday Sunday cheesy.
5: Oh, sure. I don't man. know if okay. you
1: remember that and I was like how the fuck like that was that was such a banger <laughs> like how do these critics come well, when you it? go
2: when you have a record like keep this to yourself or listen and forgive where it's um yeah it's it's more emotion driven and it's more angst driven. Yeah. It's really hard to go from that to then write songs like indie songs. Like I felt like yeah. Joyride was more more us more listening to like um Tokyo Police Club. Yeah. And like um like Death Cab for Cutie and and Broken Social Scene, but I don't think they sound like those records, but we were influenced by those bands a lot. Yeah. And uh, at least I was. And um, I don't know, it, you can't go, f- I, I feel like people are going to have a problem if you go from like really crushingly sad songs to trying yeah. to write songs that are fun, but also sad and that excite you. Cause when I play, when I sing a song with our, with transit or any band, I am, it feels like each song feels like a different car that I'm behind the steering, like, <laughs> di- behind a different car or a different bike. It's a different engine. It's a different, yeah. It's a different destination. It's a different feel vibe like that. I'm riding a vibe yeah. and joyride was the most fun. That's why it's called joyride. Um, mm-hmm. The most fun. Those are the, that was the fun. Those are the most fun vehicles or things I could transport myself in with words and melodies <laughs> i love joy because it's so it was so fun to sing Mm -hmm. versus being sad exactly the songs i'm working on now are sad but they're fun and sad where listen and forgive and the records before that are more just sad where Mm -hmm. the song ends and even though i'm in front of all these people i'm like oh fuck (laughs) what's wrong with me so you just keep living this what's wrong with me with joyride i didn't have to do that you know i i got to have fun and have a party but there are also some really sad songs in the record too
1: yeah
2: it was more about a party and having fun and adding the sad in there instead of just being (laughs) defeatingly crushingly sad because we did that for so many songs yeah so i'm coming back to that sad part but i'm also not forgetting what i learned from joyride with the songs that i'm working on now with narrowcast
1: yeah, I, I just wasn't sure if that guy was just trolling or what, because I, I think Joyride's flawless. Thank you. Like, honestly, um, that's that's such a good album to end on.
2: I don't think, like, if I were to go back and change stuff, I don't think it's, I, I, I don't think it is for me, um, but I don't think anyone is, because I'm so fucking picky with everything. Yeah. I think. Um,
1: you got cons- a different perspective, though.
2: Consi- yeah, it's a I got the weirdest perspective. <laughs> um, Consistency-wise, I, I thought I was most proud of Stay Home, um i only thought one song on that was weaker than it needed to be and um wait
1: wait wait which one
2: so eps i feel like are stronger because it's less work it's more concentrated so i'm really the most out of everything transit uh go looking back at it uh, i'm most proud of joyride i'm most proud of stay home and i'm most proud of um something left behind Mm-hmm. Which was you can't really find it anywhere. I, I believe it was on mightier that was on Mightier Than Sword, uh, but it was like kind of like different songs from each album, and it was an acoustic album, but it was like yeah, a yeah. acoustic album.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh one of my favorite songs you ever wrote was called Indoor Voices, which is on that record. Um but I also like a lot of list this, this one lot to find us because it's got a lot of just bare bones emotions emotional songs, mm. and there's this is someone a version of me that's not a songwriter that's literally trying to figure it out and not mm-hmm. knowing what they're doing and a lot of honesty in that um you don't know as many tricks that yeah. kind of work you know what i mean mm-hmm. to make a song so i don't know and i really like i don't love young new england i don't think is a perfect record mm-hmm. um looking back at it i think it's got some of the most meaningful songs i ever worked on mm-hmm. and then some songs i wish we could kind of go back and could have had fine-tuned but Sweet. whether it's souls yeah. some are me Weather Souls and Summer, since Summer Me are two of the, my favorite, most proud songs oh, we that. have as a band.
1: Yeah. So you stated in the past that you enjoyed the process of changing transit sound with each passing record and that you never wanted to stay the same. How was this process challenging?
2: Backlash of fans. Yeah. Because there's a, there's, and I, I was the same way. When In Reverie came out with Saves the Day, I was like, what happened? Yeah. Like, what happened? I wanted Stay What You Are too. Like, what happened? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like i was an asshole in that moment because in reverie is one of my favorite saves the day records now yeah um it happened with piebald too and they had more of a piano record after we're the only friends that we have um Mm -hmm. it happened with me with a lot of bands um tegan and sarah had the con and then they put out more of like a dance a dance record more of an electronic record and that record's fucking incredible yeah but when it came out i was like I don't know. And then I was wrong, but I'm not saying <laughs> people were wrong about our stuff, but, but that was it. It was just, uh, we backlash. wouldn't have been a band. If we had to do what people expected us to do, we wouldn't have been a band because mm-hmm. then it would have felt like work.
4: Mm-hmm. And when it feels like
2: work, we'd rather go fun. work a job and make actual, like, like make like money, like yeah. make money that you can provide a family or own a house or, mm-hmm. you know, pay the bills. Cause in the music industry, you're not paying bills. Like no, even no. We, we played with giant, like pretty big bands. Like uh, we met a couple bigger bands than us on walk tour, um, of different genres. Like some of the heavier bands we met on walk tour, where none of them were like, "You're like wow, you had a big crowd," and they're all like struggling. Like yeah. so many bands struggle to pay the bills and get by. And uh, if we're gonna work for free or just get by financially we're going to do exactly what we want. No questions asked. And it doesn't matter how people review anything we put out because Hundred percent. yeah, because they don't have, they do have an effect on you as a band. Like, yeah, because they affect how people definitely affect the way people perceive records by reading the reviews. Mm. Um, but they don't have an effect on how you write at all unless you read and listen to them. So I'm glad we didn't do that.
1: So how was your experience shooting the video for Young New England? Was that like a general call for fans to come out and be a part of it?
2: Oh man, that was a, that was, we were definitely drank during that. <laughs> uh, um, we definitely drank uh, one punk kid, which made me feel good. This kid, um, it's like <laughs> punk rock kid, like straight up punk kid drove his bike by our set didn't know what transit was probably or anything but he just saw that this band was shooting a music video and i just remember saying like he yelled at us like this is boston not la <laughs> <laughs> and i
4: awesome.
2: just remember being like yeah fuck like 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 fuck us like basically like yeah fuck yeah. these guys i remember like just yelling back at him because i just thought that was so awesome um did he stay one, to be in it no he just drove his bike by and talked shit and that's what it <laughs> is it's a bunch Hell of yeah. talking shit um <laughs> but uh yeah the video is fun um i don't know it, it's definitely it, it's not like one of my main memories especially because we were yeah. exhausted and definitely drinking yeah um in the you were city zap- and partying uh it was cool it was cool um that's my mom's favorite transit song uh is uh young new england really uh, yeah she always tells me about that and it's not my it's not my favorite transit song I definitely love it um it's definitely makes me feel good about where i'm from yeah um, i definitely never thought we'd write a song like that song yeah um
1: definitely the most unique trans
2: that was another older song that was supposed to be on listen and forgive yeah um that didn't make it um that didn't really make sense with the guitar the song structure or anything and then we reworked it into more of like a sing sing-along, sing-along kind of song yeah that would have uh, been
1: a weird one for this listen and forgive
2: Young New England as a record to me feels the best when we play it in Massachusetts or in Connecticut, where those songs come alive and it feels like we're now a local band again in a Mm -hmm. good way. Um, But the heart of the band for me is Listen and Forgive. Mm -hmm,
5: For sure.
2: Uh, Joyride isn't because it's the end of the band, but the heart of the band, what transit is to me will always be stay home and listen and forgive Mm
5: -hmm.
2: yeah that's like the heart of the body that is transit from my perspective
1: so who the hell wanted you to drink out of a shoe is that your
2: idea me we played in australia and kids were doing shoeys they were coming up on stage (laughs) kids were going so nuts we never played in australia we played in Sydney, sydney sydney australia um kids fucking two kids lost their pants during our set they would, they would climb it on top of each other and they, they weren't pulling their pants off to be naked but yeah. literally kids were climbing and like pulling and pulling clothes and it was just like this oh, crazy God. fucking what? shit show of a crowd just nuts and i remember like like seeing like two people's like a pant leg going off and like it's just like what the <laughs> fuck is shit. going on um but they didn't they weren't naked at the show but i remember just seeing like Articles of clothing and being like, what the fuck? What crowd? <laughs> crazy. Um, and then um, someone came up on our stage, took off their shoe, poured a beer into their shoe, and chugged their beer from oh their god. shoe. Oh my god. my god! And I'm sitting there and I'm appalled. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? It was like the grossest shoe ever. Uh, and then we were drinking it in the video, and I was like, watch this. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And then I did that.
1: Was that and your shoe or somebody
2: else's? Like, yeah, no, it was my shoe. That was the shoe uh, I wore on Warped Tour. And it was the grossest uh, fucking thing I've ever done. I could feel it go down my throat. Uh, and I could feel my throat tingling with all uh, this bacteria. And I remember immediately sobering up like, fuck, why did I do this? Why Why? Why?" die? That was an old ass shoe. I did all of Warped Tour in those shoes. That's the shoes I got there. I think there were vans that I got on Warped Tour. And it was a really bad mistake. And I did it because of Sydney, Australia, because we played that show. Hey, get off there. The cat's clawing at my speakers. Get off. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He's like trying to climb the speaker face. Um, But but, um, yeah, I did it for Sydney, Australia. That show, that memory. That's why Asi-
1: I did that. Aside from the crazy security accident, uh, did you have any crazy set mishaps ever? Get, yeah, ever um,
2: get hurt? Uh, where, anywhere in particular?
1: <laughs> I just said uh, any set mishaps and did you ever get hurt during a set?
2: Yeah. Um, uh, anywhere. Um, I jumped, I, fl- I front flipped, <laughs> such an asshole. I front flipped into the crowd off a speaker and I landed on a kid's head with my neck, Oh, my shit. back I was completely fucked for like all <laughs> California dates. Yeah. And that was um, that was in Detroit. We played a festival in Detroit. Um, and Sounds then, about right. And then um, I I got hurt in um, Phoenix, Ar- uh, Phoenix, Arizona. A kid came into oh I love this. This dude he was like he's a he was like construction worker or like a welder. Just like you could tell he just worked a job. Yeah, he comes in he's older than everyone else in the crowd so he's older than everybody and he fucking comes in (laughs) and it's stay home we're playing like his favorite song i guess and he just comes into the show last song it's stay home i I literally we're playing the song and i see this kid on the corner of my eye he's in the doorway and he goes like this (gasps) like he does this with his hands so i look over and then he runs through the crowd and he's so excited he just punches his fist forward the fist hits the back of the microphone stand. The mic stand goes flying into my teeth and I chip my teeth. So I'm like, no. my front teeth has a chip out of it because of this kid oh. still to this day. And I was just bleeding. So that was one. And I just oh love how funny God. it was. It was out of love. It was like, I love this. Fuck you. <laughs> um, the next yeah. thing happened. Uh, Tim jumped off the stage during Man Overboard set in Texas. And he went, he had to go to the hospital in a stretcher. Uh, cause he hurt his neck and he was in a neck brace. He's like, I'm so embarrassed. It was, it was funny. And then, <laughs> um, in Firebird in St. Louis. Oh my God. Um, I had my backpack in the van and one of our windows got smashed in, I think from like people roughing around or someone tried to break into the van or something. Yeah. So there's glass all over the floor in the van. I think it was a break in before, like a sh- day or two before that. Yeah. So there's glass all over the floor we didn't sweep it up enough my backpack's on the floor. And as I pick it up, one of the straps gets caught and it's got like some, some resistance where the backpack goes like, like kind of breaks away. And there was glass on the backpack and it went into my eye. So I had glass in my eye and I played a, we played the set and I was wearing uh, sunglasses during the set. And then we played the set and then I went to the hospital, got like a thousand dollar hospital bill and no insurance. Um, And my, they had to drop stuff into my eye. And then, um, uh, I remember there was like a torn, it was like a tornado warning or a hurricane warning. And I just remember the speakers in the hospital going, like it said something like code black or code red. And I remember having the biggest panic attack in the, on the hospital bed, not because of the glass in my eye, but, but just the combination of the day. Um, and that's the only ones I can remember. I think there was more than that, but um, the funniest thing about shows is people don't realize that when you play longer sets and you eat fast food, that you come very close to shitting your pants, but you don't. <laughs> but sometimes people will leave the set. Like I remember PJ left during a song at the end of our set, just a pee, like had a pee so bad. And while we're playing, he's like, Hey, like he's giving us this look, like let's wrap it up. Like let's go. Um, And I've had those moments too, where it's like, man, I got to shit and you just don't. You just wait but you feel like during certain songs and it happens like you feel like during certain songs like man if this happens it happens and i'm lucky i'm lucky that it didn't happen but i definitely feel like there's some close calls and i'm glad that (laughs) that didn't happen because that would be fucking awful
1: damn dude did you ever have any like pre-show meditations or were there any (laughs) secrets to keeping your voice in check
2: drink a lot of water um I have acid reflux. I have a hiatal hernia, so I constantly have stomach acid in my throat.
1: Dude, was- I have the worst acid reflux.
2: Yeah, I just used to I used to cry. It was so upsetting. I yeah. was like, like, just wanting to sing in a band, and then um, feeling oh. like the universe, so my body was working against me. Um, I got polyps in my throat. Um, oh. I didn't have to get surgery on it though, which was good. Um, but they like went away. Like they like were just like old polyps um yeah but um yeah dealing with that a lot was rough um
1: so what happens if you have like a like a can of spaghettios i don't you just don't
2: (laughs) it's worse than than uh like than drugs if you have like or if you if you have any kind of hangover from anything or alcohol i would say i would rather be hung over than eat like two cans of spaghettios and just die of throbbing pain. Uh, Oh, it goes up to here. It goes up in like your chin. You feel it almost behind your ears. It just goes everywhere. If I have something acidic or if I have red wine, so I'll never really appreciate red wine for the rest of my life. Does Uh, that run in
1: your family? Do other people have that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It runs in my family. uh, My, my, one of my grandmothers, uh, well, it's my great aunt um, apologized to me. (laughs) She's like, I'm so sorry. I feel like it's my fault. I was like why she's like from from eating all the spicy food and drinking <laughs> all of this red wine I feel like all you kids have like like oh because of my generation just not caring about what they ate spicy or acidic you guys all have problems yeah. Like, I don't know how it works I think you're wrong but I did get an apology oh that's
1: hilarious <laughs> yep so I also heard pickle juice <clears throat> is pickle juice good for drinking before a show or no
2: Pickle so much I do too I would rather someone punch me in the eye if you had to make me drink. If, dude, I would uh, rather yeah. get punched in the eye or the nose than drink like a jar of pickle juice. That's gotta be tough. You have to put a fucking gun to my head to. That. <laughs> I hate pickles. I hate mustard. Oh. So there's oh. not
1: like something you can drink though before a show besides water that will help with your voice?
2: Shitload of water. A gallon of water a day is the best thing that a singer can do. Green okay. um, tea dog. helps. Yeah, um, certainty because certainty dries out your vocal cords. Yeah. Um, I would say Manuka honey is really good, a really fancy honey. Um, throat coat helps, but it also restricts. I feel like if you drink it too much, you don't really get mm. you, you feel like you have less to work with, I guess. It's hard to explain, but I feel like less I drank of a too range much of that. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I drank too much of that at one time.
4: Yeah. Some people
2: swear by like olive oil. I just drank a lot of water, a gallon of water, and the biggest thing was buying actual vocal warm-ups so i bought the zen of screaming vocal warm-ups from melissa cross and those helped me more than anything because there were four singers that scream and sing Mm -hmm. so if i'm just singing i'm good with those warm-ups so those warm-ups kept my voice alive for most of transit was melissa cross Mm -hmm. the zen of screaming
3: so so say you're gonna say Oh yeah. I was going to, so within the past few years, cause I know transit's been disbanded for about five years now. Um, have you, have you ever, has anybody like ever stopped you in public and like recognized you? Oh yeah.
2: No. Yeah. Like rockinized. Um, like <laughs> <laughs> recognized. Friends bands coin like said that once and I fucking died. I was like, That's so cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not in, not in Charlotte. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, I um, love
3: Charlotte. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah. Though.
2: Yeah, Charlotte's great. Uh, my, brother, Atlanta, my brother so used to I, live there. So not here. I mean, I mean, it's happened to me. It's happened to me here a handful of times. In Boston, it happens if I go to a show um, or if I, I was at – it happens randomly. I was at an arcade in Salem, and kids from Vermont were there, and they were like, Joe, and I'm like, oh, who are you? Yeah, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was weird. And then um, it always – and then I was at Common Market in uh, Plaza Midwood where we're – I used to live in Charlotte um, and there was a a fan that was there that recognized me and I thought that was really random um, because I just moved here and that made me feel kind of special like oh wow Um, and then um, Electric Factory I think or one of the one of the bigger venues here two kids came up to me and one of my friends thought that I put them up to it but he was also drunk and I was like, yeah. well, that was a huge thing you said because <laughs> that is not the case. I don't I don't want any attention ever. <laughs> not my personality type. I would rather just be a fly on the wall yeah. most of the time. Um, but yeah, it happens. It happens more so in Massachusetts, and it happens if I'm at a show. If I go to a show, any like uh, a show with a, a band that's close enough to what transit sounded like or tour with transit. Uh, maybe one or two people will say something and it feels good. The best thing is I keep my Facebook. I don't really use social media. Um, mm-hmm. I use Instagram kind of, but I don't really use social media and it's really good to keep them uh, because I like to be off of my phone and just live in the now as much as I can. Yeah. Um, but it's good that I have social media because people will reach out to me and I'll be able to connect with them and, you know, send them a, a paragraph or send them, you know, bands that I really like or, or just kind of talk about music. So I really like um, that. But yeah, I really love our, our fans and our, our, I think we had really interesting, I think we had a lot of people that played in bands that, that listened to us. And I think we had a lot of people that played guitar that listened, that listened to us. And a lot of people that like heavy music, like hardcore bands, which like, there's a lot of heavy bands. And then there's a lot of bad heavy bands in my opinion. Oh yeah, and there's a good amount of good heavy bands, like well, tasteful, I guess, because it's all taste buds. There's no, I don't think there's good or bad music. It's all just taste buds, like food. It's all, it's all music is. Yeah, but in my opinion of what I think is good for heavy bands, like hardcore bands, I think there's a lot of fans that like good hardcore bands that like us, which was really surprising to me, especially further on in Trans's career, where with the heavier stuff and the faster stuff we wrote, it made more sense that there were fans that liked hardcore bands, but Mm -hmm. it didn't really make as much sense to me. And I was really, it was a pleasant surprise when I would talk about like Bane or American nightmare or converge with people during Mm -hmm. the era of like young new England or, you know, joyride and like the later, the later songs. So I thought that was pretty cool. Do
1: you go to Waffle House a lot up in Charlotte?
2: No, I haven't gone to Waffle (laughs) House since touring and I, no, I had, no, um my wife brought me waffle house because i had to work and her family was visiting us yeah when we, when we bought our house um my father-in-law uh drove from from uh meredith new hampshire mm-hmm. all the way down to charlotte and um helped us work on the house uh, he's a, he's an incredible uh, incredible person and uh yeah they went to waffle house and they brought me waffle house <laughs> sick
1: good. that's awesome
2: Long story Damn. short. So yeah,
1: what does mu- music mean to you?
2: Everything. It's, it's life. It's, it's life. I mean. um, it's, it's everything. It's, I mean, short answer, it's everything. Music is a friend. I've probably said this so many times. It's like a fucking broken record. But music <laughs> is a friend. Music is the best friend. The Corey Matthews, Sean Hunter of your life. Mm-hmm. It is the best friend that will always be there for you in your happiest times and in your darkest times, highest highs and lowest lows. Music, when I meet someone, which doesn't happen often, but when you meet someone who doesn't really like music, I'm just fucking stumped. I'm I'm just just like, like, how do you live? How? Um, I'm really thankful for the Beatles. (laughs) Without the Beatles, I don't think, I don't think maybe it would have been a different band, but the Beatles were... I mean, having Sgt. Pepper on cassette in a Walkman as like a six-year-old
1: amazing, sitting
2: on the floor playing with Legos and Kinects or playing Mega Man 2 or 3 on Nintendo <laughs> and listening to like a fucking incredible Beatles album yeah, was a huge impact on me to realize that I love music. So it all came from that, that moment. What's that- your
1: favorite Beatles song? Eleanor Rigby. Oh, it's just because the first one?
2: just Eleanor Rigby was the first song because it's like a, how Thursday writes a song. So Thursday writes a song yeah. and there's a person in a room and there's a piano playing and there's a ca- taxi cab outside and this is the weather and this is the time. <laughs> and this is what this, th- the clock is at this time yeah. and, and, and the shadows are casting this on the wall and there's so many moving parts
5: mm-hmm.
2: in Thursday's album, World of The Time, mm-hmm. especially, that's my favorite Thursday album. Mm-hmm. The Beatles were doing that way before, way obviously. Early. Um, and they do it with Eleanor Rigby. There's people, mm-hmm. there's places, there's things, there's stories. It's a whole little town. Yeah. In a song. And and that blew my mind as a kid listening to that. Mm-hmm. And it's such a sad song. Mm-hmm. So that's the most important Beatles song to me. Um, and that's probably the most important song. I think the most important songs in my music career to hear at the right time, right place to inspire me to want to do music or play an instrument was Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles. And it was um it was probably um let me think um it was stay what you are uh it was uh, and why am i blanking because i'm exhausted um, mm-hmm. um at your funeral by saves today was the most important which is also songs inspired by the beatles like saves mm-hmm. stay what you are and reverie have beatles influences in them but uh when i heard stay what you are when i heard um at your funeral i threw away all my corn and limp biscuit albums <laughs> oh yeah i
1: remember hearing you say that in an interview yeah <laughs> funny.
2: so that was like i'm into underground music i'm into because that, that's an indie record um yeah one of the best indie records ever uh, uh but that record was such a big influence on me to want to be a singer in a band and be a front man and try to wing it and sing and uh yeah that record was the most important record without that record i I don't think transit would have i wouldn't have been in transit Mm -hmm. without that record and without uh the band lifetime Mm -hmm. um those that album by saves the day and lifetime existing are why i sang for transit period
1: so you have this new podcast you've been doing with john nolan from taking back sunday and a few other guys how's that been going
2: Amazing! It's just fun. I didn't write a thing for it, so I haven't. I we have an episode tomorrow, and we're doing the episode, and it's on a specific topic, and I haven't written a damn thing because we've been so busy with everything yeah. else. I'm doing this, and then uh, we we went we went uh, went to our we went on a hike today, and you know um, I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning and then start working on it, but then yeah. I'm also smoking brisket, which is gonna be great. Oh, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna work on the podcast, like start writing what my subject. <clears throat> song is going to be yeah uh, tomorrow morning probably and then be ready to record at like 4 p.m
1: you'll be fine dude you're the best at talking
2: thanks man i'm not i just just love i love talking i actually i'm in the group chat right now making sure i'm not missing any decisions here i think we're good yeah i think we're good it's just a bunch of banter all right cool so how does it
1: how does it feel to be a homeowner
2: I never thought I would own a house in my life. I think oh, yeah. if if I can so the, the if I can sing in a band and do a band for as long as I did, anyone fucking can, because I was terrified, fly on the wall for most of my entire life. Not the personality type that most singers or musicians have, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but owning a house, I never thought I'd own a house. I went to school, I got in debt. I was in music for a long time, even more in debt. Yeah. Um, I never thought I would ever be able to own a house. I never thought that would actually be in my future. And I really thought that doing music for as long as I did was the reason I never would, but I didn't Mm -hmm. regret doing the band, but I thought that all my friends were saving up money Mm -hmm. and we were just like, you know, getting by or just paying bills Um, Mm -hmm. that I kind of, missed my opportunity, but I also thought that was fine. You know what I mean? I was, Mm -hmm. I was like, I'd much rather have these memories than a house. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but then my wife and I worked our asses off and didn't spend like any money, Mm -hmm. any, like we pinched every single penny, um, did everything we possibly could to save money and not blow it. What you realize is most people blow money on going out and drinking. Oh, and I like to go out and drink, but that's where everyone's losing all their money. It's subscriptions to like Netflix, Hulu, this, this, mm. this, like all those take away your money, car payments, take away all your money mm-hmm. and student loans, especially because they're almost criminal. How like expensive they oh, are. Oh, It's ridiculous. Like, and then what you don't, don't realize is going out and drinking, spending $80 here, a hundred dollars here, blah, blah, blah. Then you have no savings. And that's what a lot of people do. And it's Forget like, that. just don't do that. Just save all your money.
5: Yeah.
1: So where'd you guys meet then initially?
2: Me and my wife met um, in Salem. We got introduced um, through a friend. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we just started talking about, um, we started talking about Diane Antwood and like weird music, <laughs> weird books. And I don't even uh, like, I don't like Diane Wood, but, um, <laughs> I just, we were talking about like modest most and we we're talking about a lot of like, like art, like art, art, yeah. visual art, movie art, like, like, like. Hocus and pocus. We, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, we just started really started talking, talking about art and music and, um, you know, I just started real, like I, she's, she's like my best friend in the whole world. And, uh, so cool. You know, I, we just, I just always wanted to be hanging out with her and be around her. Mm-hmm. Um, period before we were dating, we were friends and hanging out. And I just always wanted, I was just gravitated. She's such a amazing personality, so funny and, and smart and mm-hmm. loves music like me. So I like literally met my other half. Yeah. Um, into the same stuff and uh yeah and that was it we met in we met in Salem we hung out a bunch um she knew who Transit was she wasn't like a Transit fan um <laughs> she was like oh she like knew that we existed yeah um but was into like punk bands more so than pop punk bands or That's whatever cool. you want to call it, Transit an indie band yeah um but yeah um and I love Salem Salem's where I started uh, my whole music everything with me and music and local bands all came from Salem. Mm -hmm. So um, meeting someone from Salem was like, oh, wow. Like this is, this is great. And uh, yeah. So that's how we met just through a mutual friend.
1: I went there a few years ago, did a road trip from Buffalo to Salem just to check out all the spooky shit during October, you know? And Mm -hmm. I just remember having the worst restaurant experience there. Like I legit, some pancake place. I don't know which place this was, but it's like right there. It's like right in Salem. Like you probably could walk
2: to it from all the creepy stuff. So mad at you right now? If I think it's what I think it is. So oh. uh, fountain place diner, it's called the fountain place. I Fountains. think this is what you're talking about. Fountain, fountain, fountain place diner.
1: That sounds kind of close. Let me see. Fountain place diner.
2: <laughs> I hope it's not. Because if, if this is the place, this is one of my favorite. This is my favorite place to have breakfast, but not for pancakes. It's not what I would get.
1: Oh wait, this is more of like an outdoor thing though, isn't it? I don't know if it's I don't think it's this place. No. Fountain Place is indoor. Shit, which one's the one I went to then? I don't know. Okay, so it was one of them. I'll figure it out and I'll let you know. But um I just remember it was my- Deb's
2: Diner and this Fountain Place Diner and every other diner or breakfast place in Salem. I don't really care about those two, Deb's Diner. And people like Reds. People really like Reds. I think Reds on in Saugus is, is better. Well, I think it's in Peabody. It's on Route One. But there's there's two places in Salem for breakfast that I really love. And you know I think we'd still live in Salem if Massachusetts wasn't so expensive. Yeah. But living in Salem in the summer and riding your bike around Salem and like oh, just reading so is unfucking believable. It oh, is yeah. unbelievable magical place to fucking live in the summertime and then in the winter it's fucking horrible and then in october halloween it's horrible because there's so much traffic due to halloween that it's just a miserable place and everything's packed it's everything's packed and everything's a huge ass weight to get in anywhere it was um, it yeah. was
1: 100 percent reds i think
2: yeah reds is okay people love it it's been there a long time i didn't uh, like reds so yeah. i don't blame you for that but that was the worst. That's hilarious.
1: No. So I basically go there. Right. And I'm, it's all right. You know, every, you know, it's a pancake place, whatever. And so I'm eating my food. Right. And I, I grabbed the syrup dispenser and we just had a really like rude waitress. And I, I poured, <laughs> I poured some Welcome syrup. I poured some syrup on my fucking pancake and the whole top came off. And like the whole thing of syrup went all over the thing. I'm like, who's going to eat that? And I'm like, it's not even my fault. Like I, I didn't loosen it up. It was just like that. You know, it just something yeah. and I told her that, and she totally didn't even get me a new thing of pancakes or anything, and charged me full price. I'm like, <laughs> all right, hope the witches is you. Yeah, yeah,
2: right. Yeah, Reds is uh, Reds is fine. It's just okay.
1: I'm sure it's fine. I'm not a
2: red fan. <laughs> Best yeah. things about Salem are uh, Harrison's Comics. Mm-hmm. Um, just going into, I can't remember the name of it now, for the life of me. The 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 old school like the retro video game shop it's pretty cool down there yeah same street um and then um i really like fountain place i really like deb's deb's diner um deb's is great hot dog company uh is great um i guess it's not a ton of place i can think of right now but a lot of good food uh flying saucer pizza is great Mm. um roast beefs bill and bobs on bridge street my favorite Ooh, roast
1: beef they got good roast beef down there
2: yep oh uh, massachusetts is the it, unless a lot of people don't realize that everyone thinks, oh massachusetts baked beans clam chowder lobster <laughs> yeah no it's about a roast beef super three-way it's about sauce cheese and mayo on an onion roll um oh, roast yeah. beef sandwich and then getting some seasoned waffle fries and dipping it dipping it in cheese sauce oh my is god is what massachusetts is about for someone who's from Massachusetts. Now, if you're not from Massachusetts, you think baked beans, lobster, clam chowder, that's all great. But if you're from there, you're not like, thinking of yeah. like those things are, are cool, but it's not what it's about. It's about the roast beef super three way.
1: Yeah, it's just the touristy shit.
5: God, I'm <laughs> yeah, just, I'm missing good, all the East Coast good. food.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I'm not clam chowder in Massachusetts is amazing. I'm just, I'm just saying that's the heart of like massachusetts food for a townie or for someone that's massachusetts or they all have their own favorite place and everyone's got a different favorite place that's the thing it's a roast beef sandwich
1: so i got this bullshit thing i do at the end called the speed round where i ask you a bunch of questions (laughs) and uh, you, you basically just answer them quickly or whatever however long you want to take it doesn't matter um favorite saves the day song
2: Favorite Saves the Day song. Um, fuck, so I'm already losing because I'm taking too long. Um, no, most important Saves the Day song is at your funeral. Favorite Saves the Day song is probably Tomorrow Too Late, I think. If I'm going to, yeah, probably Tomorrow Too Late.
1: Favorite football team. Patriots. Go Bills. Sorry. F- favorite right hockey. Answer
2: for you, huh? <laughs> Bruins. Sorry.
1: <laughs> favorite hockey team. Bruins. Bruins.
2: Favorite food. Uh, Tex-Mex, Border Cafe, Route 1.
1: But there's not like a specific just item?
2: Chicken burrow chicken burro, um French fries, mm. um, giant fucking glass of ginger ale or a strawberry margarita. Really? Um,
5: okay.
2: Yeah. Chicken burro at Border Cafe or a burrito at tanash in Somerville, probably. And then in Charlotte, i don't really have a favorite place here it's i would say midwood smokehouse and i would get burnt ends and beef brisket that uh, would be my favorite thing here it's just you can't eat that all the time because it will ruin you
1: yeah it'll definitely ruin you cats, <laughs> i mean i kind of already know this one but cats or dogs
2: cats but i love dogs okay that's good mm-hmm. favorite holiday favorite holiday oh man um christmas because of the tradition of watching the movies and eating food until you pass out oh yeah (laughs) so i think christmas but and more in the lines of treating christmas like thanksgiving yeah uh christmas
1: okay favorite record store
2: favorite record store Mm -hmm. that i've ever been to Mm -hmm. i don't know dude lunchbox here is is amazing i would say lunchbox it's unbelievable in uh in charlotte yeah plaza midwood
1: Another question I probably know. Favorite tour food to get on the road? Definitely not Subway. Oh, yeah. Uh, fuck Subway, dude. Much Subway. Much. Subway gave me, like, literally the worst sickness in my life. I literally had Subway. And I'm almost positive it was Subway that did this. I had, like, incredible stomach pains and, like, just stomach sickness for three weeks. And I was working at Lexus at the time, like, the car dealership. And after three weeks of just being in pain and getting sick and all this shit, I literally just like stopped my shift, went to my boss's office and was like, I'm going to the hospital. And he's like, oh, is somebody, is somebody hurt? Like, what's going on? And I'm like, yeah, it's me. Like, I'm literally like in the worst pain of my life. Been, been like this for three weeks. He's like, oh shit. So I go to the, I go to the hospital and yeah, I had like whatever that, I can't remember what it's called, but that one, like stomach sickness from food poisoning that it just, yeah. it, it lasts yes. for like weeks. And it was the worst nightmare of my life.
2: Oh. <sighs> Um, but yeah, favorite food from the road.
1: <sighs> definitely not like is it way. is it a
2: chain? Are you talking about a chain? Or are you talking about like a single like a place? food
1: item? Like a food item, even. Or yeah, or yeah, or a place. <sighs> I guess that would make it. I
2: time. would say favorite food item. This is this sucks. My answers suck. Um, <laughs> I would say mashed potatoes from Wawa is what oh. I miss the most. And then um <laughs> Yeah, and then just 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 uh, Mexican food in Texas. Um, yeah, is what I what I oh and Philly cheesesteaks definitely up there. There's all different stuff. Long island bagels up there. But I would say this probably a lot of people would find that disgusting, but probably Wawa mashed potatoes.
1: Mashed potatoes are actually my favorite food personally. That's hilarious. Um and I actually had Philly cheesesteak in Philly and I must have went to like the worst spot because it sucked. So you I
2: go to Pinos. I- I, I don't like, know. There's Geno's and Pat's. I like Pat's more than Geno's. Yeah. And then there's a few other places, like hole-in-the-wall places. I don't remember their names, but I remember them being better than yeah. both places.
1: I had a chicken in the grass, which was really good. I can't remember where I got that. That was good. But yeah, I was in a band like a long time ago. I was like a, I was like a synth player. <laughs> and we cool. played one show in Philly, and we just went out and got food, and I just had the worst cheesesteak ever. And I can't mm-hmm. remember where it was from. It was probably like one of the chains.
2: But you're also, you say you're from Buffalo, so you're gonna have, yeah. you probably had a fucking cheesesteak that was better than a tourist cheesesteak, and that's why. Because that's exactly. what I had. I had JM's subs in Saugus, Massachusetts, yeah. that was straight out of like this place. This place just seemed like it was from another era. Like it's just this old shop. It looked like it looked like one of the first sub shops that ever existed, period. Like this place. Is <laughs> And I remember just everything about it, getting a steak and cheese there was so fucking good. Oh. And I remember going, like hearing the hype about a Philly cheesesteak and then just seeing the cheese was on this time. Ty- the roll was like, it was a Geno's. It was like this big. Yeah, I remember holding this little thing in my hand and seeing the cheese was, and I'm just like, really? Really? <laughs> but it was great. It was it was great. It was like yeah. good for what it was. But I remember just having J&M's, this like football-sized fucking sub, perfect bread perfectly That's cooked per- everything and being like i think i had the whole the wall kind of philly cheesesteak where i lived in mm. my town specifically with j&m subs mm-hmm. um and then had pats and Ginos and being let down because i was expecting better than what i grew up having yeah you know what i mean so i was like okay well this is what they're known for so this is going to be better than what i had at home but what i had at home was just what they do in philly except yeah. no cheese whiz you know
1: <laughs> now there's nothing better than like a good hole in the wall
2: so uh yeah. favorite favorite venue to play chain reaction was my favorite venue because i got to run across the wall like mm-hmm. there was like these like there was like these speakers and they were kind of ramp shaped at the time when we first played there and i remember people running across the stage and then running across the wall yeah and the venue that i miss um
1: chain reaction here he's talking about
2: anaheim yeah 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 um that was my favorite venue because of the history behind it and then seeing it as an obstacle course or a challenge or again that tony hawk pro skater like or like going like the trick or like the the technique of doing something um in the same reason why on Warped Tour I wanted to like jump stand on a boogie board and like balance on it and flip off or whatever. It was just the fact that the show became anything related to like Nickelodeon guts. Oh <laughs> dude I fucking <laughs> loved guts. Like, oh, like, my. Oh. like physically my favorite venue is probably that venue for that aspect and oh, the man. history behind it but <sighs> favorite venue for the rest of my life if i had to like pay if you told me i'd have to pay like five grand to see a band play somewhere again yeah. it would probably be the salem elks lodge in salem massachusetts okay seeing our new year and or reach the sky or like any massachusetts band that i think was awesome and i wish more people knew about mm-hmm. and seeing it in that little room that basically got me into punk rock in the beginning Mm -hmm. and 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 that's where I would want to go that is my favorite venue that's where everything started for me before I ever played in a band was going to shows and um, seeing all the kids that would smoke cigarettes out around the venue and in the parking lot and missing all the fucking awesome bands play yeah but then being inside with all the people that wanted to see music and actually be there and learn the words before the show or a couple days before the show, or if the band came through again, know it from before. Um, that would be, that is my favorite venue period. And, uh, also do Long Island basement shows playing in Long Island, playing with the agent, Mm -hmm. playing crime and stereo. Um, there's something about Long Island that doesn't exist anywhere else in the country. And then one other place, I guess I can't pick one, but, um, um detroit um playing the metal frat um i think that was in ann arbor that those shows were incredible um there was so many detroit shows i think for just overall crowds man long island and detroit held it the fuck down shout out
1: to fireworks
2: best time yeah best time best show best crowds some of the best crowds are in detroit and long island for sure
1: guilty pleasure artist or band
2: Guilty pleasure, so they're not, so uh, they're kind of embarrassing to listen to. It has to be like slightly embarrassing.
1: Yeah, kinda.
2: <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Um,
1: I mean, I don't think I really like
2: Jane says. Jane says by Jane's Addiction. I don't really like Jane's Addiction, but I remember really liking that song. Okay, that that song I, re- I really like, and it even has this like under the sea, like Little Mermaid, like do doo like like sounds in there that are really bad, and yeah. I like that. Um,
1: any bands with. A- with breeze any bands with breeze
2: no um i w- i don't really have like i'm 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 very like i don't want to say like elitist with my music but i'm very much like i don't listen to anything i would say that is too beyond embarrassing or like like goofy yeah the, the goofiest thing that i listened to this week was mc chris um that that song my backpacks got jets um boba yeah. that, uh, that song, <laughs> that's embarrassing that his voice is so ri- ridiculous he sounds like, a, like like it's such a goofy voice yeah listening to that song a few times this week was definitely a guilty pleasure and then his other song um what's that other one uh the one about the one we're in aqua teen hunger force um uh um, where is it i was actually I was actually looking at the lyrics. I have it right here. Um, oh, candy. I candy. want candy. Purple gum and taffy Skip too much. You know, that, that whole song. Uh, yeah. That's a guilty yeah. pleasure. So I guess MC Chris is a guilty pleasure.
1: That's a good one though. Uh, favorite the story so far song.
2: Um, quicksand.
1: I was learning that today on guitar actually. Uh, grape jelly or strawberry jelly
2: strawberry jelly all the way especially on breakfast like breakfast on toast dude everyone says
1: that everyone says strawberry i love grape
2: <laughs> grape you grape they give you they give you grape. you get it with peanut butter and jelly you get it so much that you forget how it tastes like you know what i mean <laughs> so much of it yeah strawberry jelly you're like oh wow this exists oh this is new you know?
1: <laughs> i get that yeah favorite candy
2: Bubblegum and taffy <laughs> uh <laughs> uh i'm gonna my 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 friend matt's gonna listen to this podcast just because i because i did that um Um, favorite (laughs) candy favorite like commercial candy is probably a midnight milky way which is not a very popular one um but overall i would just say belgium chocolate belgium milk chocolate and i love dark chocolate the most but belgium milk chocolate at trader joe's it's fucking amazing um dude
1: hardly anybody likes dark chocolate that's amazing
2: I love dark chocolate. I do too. Um, but yeah, I guess so.
1: Tacos. I don't
2: really eat a lot of candy anymore? Because going to the dentist is so fucking expensive.
1: <laughs> Tacos or burritos? Burritos. Okay.
2: Carnitas oh, burrito.
1: Have you ever been to Sombrero in San Diego? The Blink one. Yes. Very good.
2: Once, I think.
1: I think. Unfortunately,
2: we only time. once. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Favorite transit record.
2: Uh, um, joyride. Definitely, because you're always going to, if you're doing exactly what you want to do, you're always going to pick the last thing you did because it's closest to what you actually love and listen to. Yeah. And I, I feel like with that one, I still listen to all the bands that inspired me on that record. And what I'm working on now, mm-hmm. I'm inspired by similar bands. It's not going to sound like that at all, but um, yeah. I'm still listening to a lot of those same bands, I, Death Cab, Broken Social Scene, Modest Mouse inspired me rilo kiley inspired the last song on there too um i actually have a a reference to rilo kiley in in the last song uh on that record too i believe um but um yeah um and i have death cab ref i have a death cab reference in one of the songs um i think saturday sunday or one of the earlier songs in the record but yeah, yeah joyride hell yeah favorite transit song Probably Indoor Voices off of, the acoustic, um, off of the acoustic album, Something Left Behind, Damn. Um, but if I look it up, only one I'm very proud of. I'm really proud of the only one. Um, mm-hmm. I would say off, off Listen and Forgive, my favorite song is 1978, which mm-hmm. was actually on the acoustic record as well. And Cutting Corners was really fun to play live. Yeah, Uh, off of young new england my favorite song is is summer me and off of joyride my favorite song is sweet resistance no uh, i'd probably say i love that one follow me or um sweet resistance i really like i don't know i think there's a vibe with the only one it's a dark vibe which yeah. i think that i think the only one's my favorite song because of that and yeah. uh yeah so that's it
1: favorite video game
2: five favorite video game yeah favorite video game of is... all time favorite video game of all time
3: could be any era Doesn't
1: sorry to console. put you
3: in this position <laughs>
2: Favorite video game of all time, if I have to pick one, mm-hmm. is The Legend of Zelda: um, A Link to the Past for Super Nintendo. Yes, oh yes. damn, that's my favorite one. But Breath of the Wild is amazing. I am most, I have most of it completed, um, which I'm very proud of. And and it fucking takes forever. So many collectible things. Yeah. Um, Breath of the Wild is amazing. It's one of the best ones to ever come out. Cinematically. Um, The greatest Zelda game is, besides it being outdated because of N64, like the story and the movie aspect of the Zelda game, the best one is absolutely Ocarina Ocarina of Time. Uh, Breath of the Wild is the best open world like 3D Zelda. And the creepiest, most metal Zelda is Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Uh, and the one you have to play every year if you're a true Zelda fan is the original Zelda for NES because you, that's where it started. But yeah, I'm a huge fan of the Zelda series. I even love I love Wind Waker and I liked it when it came out even though everyone was shitting on it because it was cartoony. <laughs> um, I did not play Skyward Sword. I missed Skyward Sword and I missed like one of the DS games. I played mm-hmm. a little bit of it. I didn't like how like the stylist works but if i was cool i'd probably say final fantasy 7 but i'm not i'll pick a zelda title Went yeah to the past love angry video game nerd on youtube i've been watching the <laughs> shitload of that um but yeah favorite movie that's that that's my long answer. favorite movie not possible i <laughs> like movies too much um favorite quentin tarantino movie is inglorious bastards oh really the one i find the coolest stylistically is pulp fiction that's my favorite. But I think his greatest scene is the first scene of *Inglorious Bastards*, the milk scene, where yeah. he's like smoking his pipe. I think that's the best scene he's ever done. Uh, um, but favorite movie of all time is *Fellowship of the Ring*. Real? Ooh, wow. I love. i I love uh, Tolkien. I can tell you more about Tolkien than probably anyone you've met. Um, and uh, I love the first *Lord of the Rings* movie. Mm-hmm.
1: Favorite TV show.
2: These are so hard. I know. Oh, uh, X-Files, if we're talking my whole life, Mm -hmm. but favorite season of a show is true detective season one.
1: Okay. It's
5: unbelievable.
2: It's like the X-Files, but done really well, visually, tastefully, not campy, not corny, not outdated. True Detective Season 1 is a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, I heard it. Dude, good I, I I hop S- on that train.
3: I, I started binge-watching it a couple months ago, and, you know, it's like David Duchovny's so amazing as... Uh, oh, x Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: But it doesn't age well. It doesn't age well.
3: It but- doesn't, but it's so entertaining, and it's so good. But then again... Now that I've watched Californication, I can't always take David seriously. <laughs> no, it
2: really isn't. <laughs> I would say it's really hard to not pick the Sopranos. Sopranos is amazing. Oh, so but good. if I had to pick, and I love Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad's mm. unfucking believable. But if I had to if I'm if you're giving me a question that difficult as favorite TV show, yeah, I will have to say what's my favorite season of a show. And would say True Detective because of how much I love X Files, but how well True Detective captured the feeling of what I, the cool aspect of X Files, I feel like it captured that. But it also added this high fantasy element to it, where right. because one of the, one of the, um, Matthew McConaughey's character is kind of meddling in drugs during this, during that, during that show. And sometimes in the background the sky will just start doing weird, swirly shit. And they just add these subtle visual effects to a show, to a thriller kind of show that never would have that. Yeah. Kind of like kind of mixing genres. And the villain of that is so fucking good. And how you I don't know if you guys you guys have seen it, right? So no spoilers. No. Um, but the fact that the villain like appears but you don't realize it's him and he's just this minor role and he was right there the whole time. And you, you, you could have arrested him then, but you just didn't, you didn't pay attention. And then all this bad shit happens. And I don't know, dude, that, that, that season one, of true detective is just fucking perfect. Yeah.
1: What are you most proud of?
2: Most proud of is my, my uh, positivity to life, still being as excited about life as I was when I was, a little kid, um, learning what the world was to begin with is what I'm most proud of more so than any, like accomplishment of a band or any, or graduating from school is a big one. Like, uh, graduating from Wentworth Institute of Technology was a big one. Owning a house is a, is a big one. Finding love of my life and having such a beautiful relationship with my wife is a big one. Having the friends I have, I'm really proud of and staying a positive aspect of other people's lives and vice versa. But mm-hmm. I'd say all that stuff comes from having a positive mental attitude towards life. That's what I'm most proud of. Cause that's, what's given me everything.
1: And is there anything coming up that you would like to promote?
2: Yes. Um, just, you got to hear this, the podcast, mm-hmm. um, that I've been doing we put it out every Monday and we record it every Sunday and then narrow cast. So it's me and Matt Morin and, uh, um, Aviv Maratz that are basically Long Lost. So the side project I had with Transit was called Long Lost, and the record was called Save Yourself, Start Again. And we have it's mostly members of that. Um, Not on every song, but it's me and Matt Moran, who's one of my closest friends, and he's my closest friend. Like he's one. He's probably one of my. He's like basically a brother to me Mm -hmm. at this point. It's me and him, it's our brainchild. And then Aviv will work on the drums and then our friend Joe will work on bass. And they're not, they're not there. I would say Aviv's in the band, I don't really know. He's just doing so many different things that I would say it's mostly me and Matt's brainchild. And we have some really awesome musicians that are working on it with us, um, I guess. And um, yeah, it's called Narrowcast. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> we have um, we have a few songs coming out, and then we'll have an EP out, and then we'll have some cover songs that we're really excited for because it kind of took a different spin on uh, some songs, and then we got a few more in the works. So, very yeah, cool. narrowcast. So you got to hear this podcast, mm-hmm.
1: and you're you're on Featured X now. That uh, what's what's Featured X exactly? That's like you pay somebody. Basically,
2: to- you can um, you can reach out and you can have someone sing on your record yeah, um, and you can go directly through them as a source. I haven't done one yet, uh, but I haven't really promoted as much as I should. Yeah. Cause of the pot. I think it's cause of the podcast. I got so Caught excited up about the podcast, but uh, I am on there. So if you do want to have me sing on one of your band songs, I'm there. I got, I got, a, I got some recording equipment at home. Like I have, <laughs> and uh, um, I also have uh gauge. Gage Owens in High Point, North Carolina. He's unfucking believable He recorded my vocals for Narrowcast, and Adam Lazara recorded um, songs, like recorded the vocals with me, like helped me record them with his home setup yeah. on uh, three of the songs. Um, and then Gage did about three songs, a cover, um, and then he did my guest vocal for Cam- uh, Camille... Uh, nolan john nolan's wife so i recorded my vocals for that with him so i have him to thank for a lot of narrowcast because he's letting me record with him and he's so easy to work with that i'm just so happy that i found someone down in north carolina to go to like yeah like what the fuck like how did that happen so i got really lucky with finding him Uh, and and adam recording you know Mm -hmm. i didn't know he was recording like anything like um that wasn't his band, you know what I mean? Like going to a studio, but yeah, he's an engineer as well. And I'm really thankful that I got to record with him as well.
1: So where can your fans find you? I know you're on Instagram. What's your handle?
2: Uh, Instagram is still Joe B, uh, Joe B Transit MA. Okay. Um, I sent a song request uh, on Ben Gibbard was doing the at home, uh, like the quarantine uh, at home. So he basically would send, singer Death Cab for Cutie uh, song request. And he picked my song, which was a Bob Dylan song, if not for you. And then he made fun of my handle on his <laughs> thing because it was just so clunky. But yeah, it's uh, Joe B, J-O-E-B Transit M-A for Massachusetts. And you can mm-hmm. find me on there. And I I basically put out everything on that, on that handle.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this for us, man. This was fun. Yeah,
3: yeah absolutely.
1: Thank
2: you for having me. Of
3: course. and get a get a hell of a story to tell, that's for sure.
1: Oh yeah. Many, yeah. any good stories?
2: I'm a talker. I'll go all day. Um I'm like losing my voice. But yeah, thank you guys <laughs> so much for having me. When will this be out? As uh as hopefully as well. hopefully tonight.
1: Probably by tonight. I'll oh, put cool. it on Spotify and on um YouTube too usually.
2: So. Awesome. I definitely want to be on it again. Uh sorry it took so long to get to us to do it. I've just been juggling so much Oh, stuff, dude, but, you're working on um, so
1: much at, mo- at once. It's amazing.
2: Yeah, inspiring. we're trying to fix up the house too, so I'm glad I could do this. Yeah, and sure. uh, yeah, definitely want to have you on again if you're definitely doing any specific episodes about like video games or movies. Probably yeah. video games would be. A good one.
5: That'd Let be me fun. Know.
2: Talk, people don't realize this, uh, but video games to me are very important. Like music. Like when I found the yeah. Beatles, I found Zelda and Mega Man, and <laughs> like everything at the same time. Absolutely. And there's literally songs on Joyride i don't think the melodies i think some of the melodies uh the really catchy faster ones definitely have influence from nintendo games from from me listening to them over and over while we're in the studio like these games and then going to record which is very random yeah Yeah. mega man is definitely somewhere in joyride
1: hell yeah that's freaking sick cool It's random yeah (laughs) check out the you gotta hear this podcast sick well thank you so much for your time Yeah, take care, Uh, buddy. Take take it easy, Joe. Awesome. Bye. See ya.